who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who's about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow or Narcosis wherever podcasts are served. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Mother May I Sleep, a podcast. I'm Molly McAleer, and today I'm joined by a host on the Solid Listen Network. He has a show called Make It Cute. Guys, this is Miles Turner, who I first fell in love with on TikTok, honestly. I found him on TikTok in our earliest days of quarantine when we were just sort of like really, I don't know, grasping for like any sort of tie to reality. And Miles was one of those people that came up on my page really early and often. And I just like fell in love with him. He has this like beautiful energy. And I knew he would be, I don't know, someone who would be delightful to listen to any day on a podcast. And so we developed Make It Cute, which is a show about, well, I'll let him explain it. Hi, Miles. Hi, Molly. I'm so (laughs) excited to be here. Thank you for having me on. And I guess for the listeners, hello, my name is Miles Turner. As mentioned, I host Make a Cute Podcast, and I'll tell you a little bit about it and why you should listen and love it as much as you love Mother May I Sleep With. So basically, it is a podcast about anything and everything, but my background is kind of like the way I got my following and my start on TikTok was I started creating cocktail videos. So the fun, short backstory behind that is I... My friend asked me for a cocktail idea on Snapchat. I sent him a Snapchat, but I decided to save it. And then I posted that Snapchat to TikTok just thinking, okay, you know, maybe people like it. And 
evidently they did. And that became my brand. So it was really cool building that up. And then also developing the show with Molly and Nicole. It has been just such an amazing experience. The show is, you know, one and a half years old. I I feel like sometimes I want to be like one of those like moms who's like, oh yeah, it's this many months old. Like, but you know, one and a half, that's what I'm <laughs> going to call at it. 36 weeks. But like, well, exactly. no, I mean, Miles, listen, I have to tell you, like, you know, I, I think your show is so great because it's like what Miles does is he gives a little recipe at some point during the episode and it might be an app. It might be a drink. Sometimes you get a little too far. Like it's a great show, but it's also always built around some sort of greater theme that he's basing the episode on. And this might be actually the perfect. I mean, I know that you're in New York City, so you're not experiencing this yet, but we're just about the end of late February, which is oddly enough, I think, when spicy margarita time starts in Los Angeles. And you created a Wagon Stuff cocktail back when he, my baby, passed. And so I'm going to put the ingredients for the Wagon Stuff cocktail that you created, as well as the beautiful picture you sent me in this, because this will be a per- this is a perfect tie-in. People love Wagon Stuff. They miss my boy all the time. But Miles, the the thing is, is like, I don't even drink liquor, like really, like maybe I'll Mm -hmm. have like, I will maybe have like a cocktail if I'm going to a place where the cocktail's like, you know, everyone's having a spicy marg, so I'll have a spicy marg. But you're so engaging that I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I need to follow this person. Like I'm going to watch him make complicated cocktails with ingredients that I don't know if I'd like, but I know that they sound delicious together. I know that like someone with a, like a, I don't know. I don't know why I, I don't really drink liquor miles, but when I saw you use that purple gin, I was like, maybe I'm a gin drinker. Honestly, I think that was kind of the same thing that went through my head too. I was scrolling on my For You page and I saw this company as I was starting to grow and they ended up reaching out and they were like, hey, can we send you a couple bottles? And I was like, uh, yeah, of course. I'm like obsessed with like the color. It's such this like royal purple. I don't even know if that even exists. Maybe I'm making up colors. I should patent that, but never mind. It's like a violet. Like, yes. yeah. It's so electric looking and mm-hmm. I just fell in love with it and that is the only gin that I will put in my body at this point in my life. But thank you. I, I love the way that you kind of describe it because it makes me feel like happy and excited because that was the one thing back whenever I was creating content on a consistent basis is that I just wanted to kind of like bring things home essentially because you know we were all home we were all kind of like doing things so I built up my home bar I started just like you know getting more comfortable and more and more comfortable in front of the camera and then eventually eventually behind the mic so I just think it's been an amazing journey and I'm just so thankful that I was able to meet you through it oh my god I'm like I was like so starstruck when you responded to my message I still smile like ear to ear when we talk truthfully like I'm like you know that your charm is not worn off. But yeah, I'm I'm so excited to talk with you about the wrong man. So there's a lot of these the wrong movies. And it does seem like Vivica A. Fox is in most of them. And I just watched one n- not that long ago, maybe like three or four episodes ago, where she played a detective. But in this movie, she's playing like a magazine editor. Yeah, I thought her role in this movie was like really interesting, especially because I don't want to give it away, but I think her role in this movie was essential, but 
it was a little bit more minute than I was expecting initially. Well, I love I love this because this is very common for Lifetime movies where it's always like truthfully, it is always the best friend who is typically a POC. Okay, like not it like gets no sort of storyline. We don't know about her fun life or her personal life or her interest or cares. And they swoop in and save the day. And it's that's something I complain about a lot on this podcast because I feel like Lifetime really needs to work on their diversity casting in general. But I like this because it's like Vivica A. Fox. So she gets to come in and make the paycheck for playing the role that is typically given to an actress where you get like, I mean, what does she have, like 15 lines in this? Yeah, it's it's so minute. And I mean, also just the one thing that I really enjoyed about my watching experience was the fact that it just played like a lifetime movie. Like I've seen Vivica in other roles. Like, I mean, you know, iconic, like Ella enchanted fairy godmother where she was a little unhinged or two can play that game where she's like a little bit more like you can play that game is like two can play that game is like the most iconic. It's so iconic. And the monologues in that movie iconic. Absolutely. And it's like, those are the rules roles I'm usually used to seeing her in. And it was kind of like, it was different seeing her in this role where she's kind of like this very like dramatized version of herself again, I, I, I guess. And the character that she's playing where the words are kind of long and paused and drawn out to kind of create suspense and to kind of, I, I don't know. I, I it, was, it was cool to see her, but also I think, I guess for behind the scenes, Molly sent me a bunch of different movies. She was like, oh, we could talk about XYZ. And I was like, oh, Vivica Fox, the wrong man. Let's do this one. Because I saw her. I didn't even watch the trailer. I just saw her and I was like, I want to do this one. And, you know, I thought they're kind of like putting her name up like real big and all that. And so she'd be, of course, right? You think she's going to be the main meal. Exactly. And then she was very much like, like, like a side. Like, I mean, here's the thing. I love mashed potatoes with my turkey, but- I was kind of hoping she was the turkey. <laughs> no, I know. I know. So like that's I think the surprise with it a little bit is that like she has Paula Abdul did one not that long ago that we also did where Paula Abdul was like the main person on the poster. And I mean, I guess if you think about it, like Vivica Fox, she does come like she is there at the end of the day to sort of like solve the problem, I think, in both of the movies we watch. So I think that like that is really her glory and she's just sort of like her agents like, yeah, Vivica Fox will do lifetime. If you put her in the center of the poster, give her no more than 15 lines. Like, you know, this is like two filming days for her and she's essentially, you know, if you're an audience member, they're tuning in for Vivica Fox. Yeah. You would think she's the lead based off of the poster. Absolutely. I mean, it's literally her in the middle of who actually ended up being the main characters. <laughs> exactly. Well, because like, who are they? Well, and let me make sure I have the IMDb up because I do like to get into sometimes a little bit of that. So The Wrong Man is about, I. so well, I mean, you'll really know what it's all about in a little bit, but it's about a, a, a woman who randomly... I guess like her grandparent. Uh, let's just get into it. Let's just do the movie. Well, we won't spend any more time here. Let's do so, it. 
we open up on Vivica A. Fox ma- earning her paycheck from the first second of the movie, making her way at the stairs of like an old house and it's worn down. The walls are marked. It's a beautiful craftsman home that we know that this is like at least somehow a part of it. We don't know how it ha- there's a library up there. It's it's a you know, this is a valuable piece of property. So she finds a gun in a metal desk and she gasps like she you know she's freaked out when she sees it as you are when you find a random gun in a 1950s school desk and then out of nowhere a hand covers her mouth and we get the title the wrong man so what's so great about these movies is like literally this is two weeks earlier So all of this damage that's done in this movie is done in two weeks, which is like a thing, you know, that can happen, but it's, I don't know, like it's, it's kind of a lot that that this would take place in only two weeks. Yeah, I completely agree. I think it, it was one of those things where they even acknowledge it within the movie later on, like there's a line that maybe we'll talk about and they like put the timing in particular into perspective and i'm just like oh okay wow this is this is quick this is a whirlwind and i feel like they do stress like the timing of it multiple times actually through the movie now that i'm thinking about it and i i feel like for me like seeing how quickly it takes place it almost makes me like think about something completely unrelated but like twilight took you know the first couple movies took place in like a year i'm pretty sure the entire series took place in like a year i've never Um, seen twilight Okay. I'm like, this is our age difference though. Like there was no, like when I, I had to go to Hollywood to cover to Westwood, I think where the premiere of Twilight was like, it was about to premiere and there was all these like teenagers, like had been sitting out on the sidewalk for like a week and they were crying. And like, it was one of those things where like, I sort of was told retroactively, like, you got great footage. Like, this is great. And I was like, oh, is this thing, like, a thing? Like, I didn't even really know Twilight was, like, that big of a deal, let alone that, like, movies were coming out. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's also crazy because I feel like some of the cast, like, yeah, they were, like, kind of child actors, but we were kind of seeing them in this, like, more kind of breakout role. But, yeah, it... It just like with the timing perspective of it, just like seeing some of these things and these whirlwind romances and all of this just taking place in such a short amount of time, I can barely commit to a purchase in a week, let alone another human. So you it, do I think that seem was like someone who would go to the department store and like try something on and then go home and think about it. I act, I absolutely am that person i'm actually going shopping this weekend and i'm like okay i think i know what i want like i'm in the market for a new trench coat we'll see if i actually leave with one or maybe i'll leave with one like next week for my birthday we'll see (laughs) no i admire that about you because you're very measured whereas like i am like fuck it like i think i like this like and (laughs) and then i go home and two months later i'm like oh well this was an interesting investment molly you're very measured in that way honey i love that about you so thank you my love (laughs) okay We're in LA two weeks earlier and she's like on a jog. We see this blonde woman on a jog. Her name's Kim. And a little bit later on, she's going to be meeting with her editor, Jen Vivica A. Fox. And she's reading what I thought was a book proposal 
But I think that she's more of like an online. I mean, we know she writes about celebrity gossip. We find out that later. But the way that this is sort of presented is very interesting to me. So I think it's like a word. It's a word document and it has like this border she's put around it. There's a clip art heart with a question mark in the middle of it. And the piece says, who will David propose to by Kim Cassidy? And I have what we were we were able to have access to, you know, I have, I have that here. I'll read it. So it, this is supposed to be 1,795 characters, by the way, or words. So we all know him as that smart talking actor on the best TV show of the season. But do we really know what's going on inside the mind of a star? I've got the scoop you've been waiting for. And it's not what you think. David was always the last person you think would settle down and get married. But hold on, folks. Lauren was the only woman that has worked with David on all of his movies. The same girl who created the TV drama about life in Hollywood. So I'm thinking she may know David a little bit better than the co-stars he's working with now. But let's get to the point. The grammar is a nightmare. But let's get to the point. We all want we all want to that special someone who will care and who will put up with our crazy lifestyles. Right. And then it goes straight into lorem ipsum. No joke. Like it straight up goes into lorem ipsum. So we're supposed to believe that our girl brought, I don't know. It looks like a 12th. It looks like an essay that like maybe you'd write when you were like 12 years old. Absolutely. I think, It was giving the same energy of like, sometimes you knew that you had a project due, but you never told your parents until like the very last minute, like the night before the morning of, and you're like, just like trying to like scrap together some crap just to have something to turn in. That was kind of the same energy I got from it. It was giving, I don't know, like third grade science fair, or it was, it was very much just like, Oh, I just discovered what clip art is on Microsoft Word. <laughs> and, and you know, this document probably ends with, well, you'll probably have to watch the show to find out. Like, that's <laughs> like yeah. it has that sort of like very, you know, she's not a great writer. And Jen cannot hide the fact that this is not what she was looking for, you know, and she basically breaks it to her and says, I'm your editor and your friend, and you need to hear the truth. Like, you have to get very serious about life and it needs to start now. And realistically, like, Kim is, I mean, I would say she looks 35. Yeah. Like, LA 35. Absolutely. I mean, she she definitely, just, like, kind of, like, seeing, like, the age of the other characters in retrospect to her and Vivica A. Fox. Like, Vivica, like, I love her. She looks fantastic. But she, you know, she still looks like an adult. So if they're friends, I'm assuming they're both at that adult age. <laughs> I'm, yeah, Kim, what I'm getting from Kim is, are you a, a, aware of that YouTuber, Shallon Lester? No, I'm not. She's like a very, she like used to work for like Us Weekly or something back in the day. And she's like a YouTuber now, but like she very much lives in this place of like, you know, you're past the age that you should be writing like fluff pieces for Us Weekly. Right. Type of thing or like, you know, talking really about like the nitty gritty of Justin and Selena's relationship. So anyway, she's like, you should be writing true crime. Why don't you? She goes, why don't you try something a little more hardcore? Which I I loved the way she said that line. But she thinks like maybe she should be doing the true crime beat. And 
She says, the only thing that's ever stood in your way is you, which I, again, I think is sort of interesting because what we're going to see Kim do is really easily adjust to a slow paced lifestyle in this town where like, you know, she's like, I'm going to, I'm going to stay here and live with my grandpa. Oh, there's no spoilers on this podcast. We all know where this is going. She's about to like very quickly give up her time living in the city to go live with her grandpa. And I don't know, you know, what she thinks is going to happen for her long term, but I think Kim doesn't really want to work in this industry she's in, truthfully. I I agree. I think that she just definitely displayed like, oh, I'm willing to do the bare minimum to get by. Like, and I think it's just, I think part of the, the arc of Kim and here's the thing. I feel like the character arc, like, I guess we'll maybe talk about that, but I just felt like it wasn't like super like transformative in a sense, but I just feel like she was directionless. And that's what I was trying to say. Like, I just feel like she'll go the easy route, whatever that is. Yeah, exactly. She's noncommittal. So, so Kim gets a call and she's like, wait a minute, this calls from my grandparents area code. And so she, John's like, answer. So she answers, and it's the caretaker, Joey. Apparently, Grandma has had an accident. So Kim pulls up to, unfortunately, the funeral. Grandma Jane died. And Grandpa Fred is there, and Grandpa Fred has Alzheimer's. He's he's Alzheimer's. He's not doing well. Like, he's not – he doesn't recognize her when she comes up to him. He's in that place where – I mean, he's in that place, you know, like there's good days and there's bad days. And I would say today is a bad day for Grandpa Fred. Right. So Joey apologizes to her for, you know, the way that Fred is sort of like, get out of my face or something. (laughs) He says something (laughs) like that. And he's like, I'm so sorry about that, you know, and I'm also sorry for what happened with your grandma. And Kim's like, well, I didn't I didn't know that my grandfather's gotten that bad. It's been you know, maybe a year since we've seen each other. And Joey's like, well, I heard about your parents' car accident and it's terrible. Don't beat yourself up over it though. You're here now and that's what matters. Jane knows that. So apparently a year ago, around the time that Kim stopped visiting her grandparents, both of her parents died in a car crash. So her grandmother and grandfather, this is her maternal grandmother and grandfather. She hasn't seen them in a year because it's been too hard for her to like face the facts and like go home. Right. And actually there was one thing I wanted to just like quickly peek in because one of my favorite parts of that exchange was Kim said, oh, I didn't realize that his Alzheimer's got this bad. And then Joey replies, well, it's never really good. And I, I laughed out loud whenever I heard that because I was like, it's it's such a practical response. It was one of my favorite little like kind of like jabs. So I just wanted to say that. I wanted to share. Oh, oh my God. I told I like completely like missed how I missed that line read. I did because that I, that feels like another actor maybe wouldn't have made it sound so good. So I like that. I like that. And I'm sorry I missed it. So, yeah, he's like, you're staying at the house. Right. And she's like, well, I don't know. After that reception I got from Grandpa Fred and Joey's like, no, you have to come. We'd be offended if you didn't. So there's this man 
on the other side of like, I guess, you know, he's like the guy that like at any funeral in a movie, there's always someone who's like strangely standing what seems to be like, for lack of a better word, across the street, like on the other side of the drive driving path in a funeral, like in a cemetery. And he's like, you know, he's got longish hair. He has this beard. He does look a little lifetime cues would tell you that this guy's either like the secret teddy bear of the movie or that he's evil. Right. How would you describe his appearance? I mean, he was just like, kind of like, I feel like with like the dark hair and the dark features, like he just looks super rugged. And I think that might've alluded to him being like, you know, inevitably like the bad guy or at least one of the bad guys. The wrong man, maybe. Uh, Sorry, I had to throw that in there. But (laughs) it's one of those things that I felt like, I don't know, like, it was it was so hard to kind of get a read on him because he's coming up as like this kind of like, oh, I want to kind of like talk to you and like, see how you're doing. But also like, in a creepy way. But I felt like the, the entire exchange that between like them and was just like a little weird, like. I don't know. I guess funerals are a time to go up to strangers and talk to them about the deceased one, but I just felt like, you know, it was it was a little interesting. Yeah. I mean, God bless, you know, like it's it's in some lifetime movies he would be a like fake out character because he does look kind of weathered. So you'd be like oh, I feel like that guy's a bad guy. And then it turns out that he's like the only person that's there for Kim when like shit's going down. It's like, you know, turns out that he used to run with some sort of group back in the day that like taught loyalty or something. Like almost like he'd be a hell's angel or something. But yeah, so we go to the funeral and a grandpa Fred can't handle it. Like, he starts to get a little bit emotional, and then he has a little bit of an outburst. He's like, I want to go home. And he, like, walks away. And while Josh is about to go follow him, he quickly introduces Kim to Carrie, who's his coworker at the Parker Care Center, where Jane found him. Which, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting that this, like, apparently Fred's wife found him a caretaker. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think it's one of those things... Especially once you kind of learn how the story unfolds on how she found him. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading in between the lines. And maybe this is slightly inappropriate. But I'm kind of like, did Jane have, like, a little thing for Joey? Like, was she like, oh, I want this cute, handsome man, like, strolling around my house half naked? Like, I, I don't know. But that's that's just me. I, I like stirring the pot. Interesting. Okay. I did not see that going there. No, I love that. Okay. I would have loved if Jane was secretly attracted to Josh. So there's a little like bereavement situation afterwards. And that's where Kim meets Gary Moore, the lawyer. And then we're going to hear a clip of Nick, the guy who was watching them across the street from the cemetery. And he's going to introduce himself to her basically and get the ball rolling on that. 627 to 825. You must be Kim. I must be. That's what they keep telling me. Gary Moore, we spoke on the phone. Oh, nice to meet you. I'm so sorry about your grandmother. I really did like her. Joey did too. I saw you two had a chance to meet. Yeah, he's really good with my grandpa, like you said. 
Yeah, he was terrific with Jane, too. Those two, they had a, a special connection, you know? Listen, I, I, would, I wish I could stay and talk longer, but I have a meeting that I can't miss. How long are you going to stay in town? I have no idea. Okay, well, why don't you come to my office after uh, you get settled, and we can go over any legal concerns you might have. Great. I will. Thank you, Gary. I saw you pull in earlier, so you're the granddaughter. I am. And you are? Nick. I rent the house across the street from your grandparents. Craftsman. Oh, I know the one. Uh, I'm Kim Cassidy. I'm really sorry about Jane. Thanks. So, uh, you met Joey, huh? Yeah, I did. What do you think? I barely know him, but he seems like a nice guy. Good at his job. Oh, he is for sure, no doubt about that. But if he starts acting strange or says something that makes you uncomfortable, let me know. What do you mean strange? Is there something I should know? No, no, not at all. It's just, uh... Well, listen, I gotta get going. I just wanted to make sure you knew you could come by anytime you felt like talking. Oh, okay, uh, thanks. So while Nick was introducing himself, Joey was watching this interaction from behind a tree. Classic Lifetime. And we'll see that many times in this movie. Just like the casual behind a tree hiding that adults do. And it seemed Apparently. like Nick kind of like cut himself off after spotting him. But it's unclear at the time. So they keep you in suspense about whether or not Nick and Joey have any sort of like interpersonal relationship. But... I was surprised, and I'll spoil this now, I was surprised that the lawyer didn't have a bigger hand in this. I agree. I think it's one of those things where he was introduced very early on, and then I feel like he didn't like come back again until maybe like 25 minutes before the end. And I felt like in the middle, there was just, he could have, I feel like he could have been a little bit more active. He could have been a little bit more messy, too, because, like, you know, what happens, the reason why she runs into him again is that, like, you know, a piece of legal paperwork that's pretty important got lost and, you know, essentially lost in the mix, for a lot, lack of better term. Like, for some reason, Kim didn't get the memo. It's only been two weeks, though, I guess, in all fairness. But, like, it, she doesn't, like, she only contacts him because there's this, like, important question that only he can answer, and he's sort of like mean with her about it in a way where I guess maybe lawyers are like that. They're very cut and dry. They're not trying to like, you know, coddle you in any way. He I, I feel like there could have been an opportunity for him to have been involved in this evil plot a little bit more. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, I think a cool little arc would have been is if they were all three working together and like he like, you know, was able almost like. Have you seen the movie? It's with Rosamund Pike. Uh, it's called I Care A Lot. Have you? Have oh, you seen that? no, I've been meaning to see that, but I haven't seen it because I am obsessed a little bit with like conservatorship abuse. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's a it's a good watch. So I'm not going to spoil it, but it would have been cool if they would have almost taken. I mean, if 
you know, anyone who's listening has seen it. Like you may not, you may know the vibe and it would have been cool if maybe they kind of took that vibe with it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So while Kim is pulling off from the cemetery, Nick shoots a text off to, we don't know who that says she's on her way. And they do this a little bit with the phones where sometimes we can see, we see a lot of texts on screen. They kind of just like pop up like little bubbles, but sometimes we will see one side of the text conversation and not maybe who it's going to or what their response is. Does that make sense? Yeah. But then sometimes we will see all sides of the conversation. So they use it, I would say strategically, but on the way home from the cemetery, Kim calls Jen and she's just like, you know, they're catching up. Jen is apparently going to come next week to be with her. And Jen's like, I didn't realize your grandpa had gotten so bad. And Kim's like, yeah, I didn't know either. The way he looked at me was really scary. And she mentions that she's not even sure if Fred knows that Jane passed away. Mm -hmm. And that's common. Like, my grandmother wasn't even having memory problems, but she died a week after my grandfather. And, like, she was... Like, on the way to my grandfather's funeral, she was like, what is John going to wear? And we were oh. like, babe. Like, yeah. So, Jen just basically says he's a lucky guy. Now he has two caretakers, which is like, they're all taking this really positive attitude, which is good. But it's also like a big deal to move in with a family member who has dementia after not seeing them for a year. Like, they all seem a little too, like this is good. You know, like he'd be offended if you didn't stay. Like now he has two caretakers. Like he might think he, he might think that these people are, are goddamn strangers in his house. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it was very casual and I I think I, I prefaced, it's been a while since I partook in a good lifetime movie. So I love seeing like the lifetime movie acting (laughs) in a sense where Basically, they're like, oh, yeah, like this horrible thing happened, but at least now I get to see my grandpa. Like, I I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I know. I know. It's and there's a reason why they have to do it that way. And that's what I always remind myself, because like in the areas where I would like them to dig a little bit deeper, if we really went there, the movie would go off track and it needs to stay at this exact sort of length. But. There are opportunities where I feel like there's a little bit of, like, missed character depth. Like, I feel like if Jen had said something like, well, you know, I know you're off, but you are a writer. So if you feel like, you know, hitting the keys while you're there, feel free to send me a pitch. And then we could, like, gauge Kim's temperature on writing or whatever a little bit more. But there's there's nothing there. And I know it is the day of her grandmother's funeral, so maybe that's inappropriate. But like there, I wish that there had been a little bit something more there. Yeah, I I completely agree. I think that there was opportunity even to throw like, because here's the thing, even if they would have explored that, that would have added what five minutes collectively to the entire movie. And actually, because I feel a little unattached to Kim as a character. Exactly. Well, I always say like, there's so many minutes of these, we, we could have lost that scene with the lawyer at the very beginning. Yep. And we could have spent literally two lines in that scene and maybe see that like Kim is not so interested 
in writing and she sort of like fell into this thing and like that's why she's so much she's so much more eager to like basically leave behind the life that she's built to move home with grandpa fred and joey but so nick does live across the street but it's very obvious that he like followed her home and he watches as she parks and walks up to the house and joey's peeking through the blinds like we all we know we know at this point that these two are in cahoots so Kim lets herself in and Joey is cutting Fred's hair as they're watching reruns of an old game show. And Joey's like, oh, he looked a little shaggy at the funeral. I thought he needed a trim. And I'm like, Joey, why didn't you fucking trim this man's hair? You can trim? Why? Didn't I, you- I, I literally was in the same boat where I was watching it and I was like, so you let him go to the funeral like that? You're saying that you live with this man and you dressed him and then you're like, hmm. Now, after the funeral, I want to cut his hair. And he wasn't even doing that good of a job. No, I know. I mean, that was a big thing in our family. Like, with, you know, everyone in my family, when it came to, like, the older people passing, I'm, like, the unofficial seventh sibling because my mom had me so young. But, like, one thing that was always very, like, sacred for us is, like, keeping the dignity of our family members intact, you know, before they passed on, it's like, you have to keep someone's dignity about them. And to me, that would be a like screaming siren that Joey's been at home with grandpa Fred all week while the body was being prepared and didn't even cut his hair. Yeah, I I agree. It was just, it was just a weird interaction. Like I, I couldn't imagine walking into like my like grandparents' home And just seeing someone after I just saw them at the funeral, right? Like, I don't under, (laughs) I feel like the timing in Lifetime movies for me sometimes also is a little misaligned because I'm like, didn't they, all three of them just come from the funeral? How did they have time to change and already start cutting hair? No, I know. I agree. Well, I think Joey went home and skipped the bereavement ceremony because Fred was in a mood. You know what I mean? He was not having Jane's funeral. Right. But no, I agree. I mean, in a weird lifetime way, it would have meant and would have made more sense if like Joey had like decided to paint the fence outside and had Fred in a garden chair. Yep. Agreed. So, yeah. So Joey encourages her to like try again with Gramps. And so we cut to a camera. We see like this camera that's installed in the dining room. And it's a huge camera. Like, we're supposed to believe later on that not even Joey saw these cameras. And we see that Nick is watching it stream on a laptop. And so she, Kim bends down in front of, oh, go ahead. We're going to say something. Oh, no, I was just, it was comedically large, these cameras. Like, (laughs) it was like a plant with a, like, five foot long camera hanging out. It looked like a fuck. No, it was like a Coke can. Like, it was like a thick wide lens like it wasn't you know it wasn't these discreet you know people are putting cameras people have been putting cameras in teddy bears for like 15 years and these people have these like massive like they're for shoplifters those cameras that they had it it looked like a telescope so kim gets down in front of grandpa fred's face and he's like it's me kim and joey's like he knows who you are come on we were just talking about her weren't we and fred goes And but Joey's very stern when he says this. He's very stern, like almost like, okay, elder abuse, like right away. You're like, is he yelling at my grandpa? But Kim's not thinking any of these things. 
And Grandpa Fred says, Kimberby. So that is her childhood nickname, Kimberby. And she's like, Grandpa, I'm so sorry. And she leans in to hug him. And she's just sort of like leaning in and like telling her how much she wishes that she could have been there earlier. And Grandpa Fred screams, that woman can't get a damn thing right. And Kim like pulls back and she's like, I'm sorry, you know? And Joey's like, no, 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 he means the woman on the game show. So Grandpa Fred watches these game shows all day. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that in this scene that's coming up here. But yeah, I mean, like, it's a pretty harrowing and I mean, I can't say accurate. I don't know if if I dealt with adults who had dementia when I was much younger. I don't remember it or I was like protected from it. Do you know what I mean? I, I totally understand what you mean. I think whenever you're young, it's so easy just to think, oh, well, they're old. They forget things like not necessarily like, oh, this is like an issue. Yeah. Or like be, I mean, like a lot of my grandparents' siblings died when I was like very young and their their spouses. And so it would be like a thing where it's like, you know, Aunt Mary isn't going to come out of the room tonight, you know? And it's like, I didn't necessarily know why, but like looking back now, I'm like, I think that that was them protecting me from like understanding how far Absolutely. how far a person could like you know remove them be removed from their reality so joey wants to get her set up in the guest room i'm gonna play this clip and once he's alone you know by himself fred just like kind of like shakes her, his head he's like just shaking his damn head and you're like what does fred know i thought he was faking his alzheimer's at this point same and i i think throughout the movie like it was a little so whenever he said Kimberby, I actually thought like maybe like Joey had told him or something like, oh, say this so then she'll stay. But it, I feel like throughout the movie, like his random aha moments, I was just kind of like, does this happen? Like, or is this just to move the story along? But yeah, I, I, I do I think that, that happens, though. I mean, like, I, I don't know. This is like my this is my understanding from like frankly, watching a lot of caretakers of people with Alzheimer's and dementia on TikTok, like there are these extreme highs and lows. Like sometimes people can be like crystal clear. They'll have memories. They can take you through a photo book and tell you about every single person in there. And then sometimes it's like, you know, I mean, I guess sundowning is really bad and that's when it just starts to like, it's just really bad, you know? Um, so I think that like, that is the that is somewhat close to the truth of what happens. This was, I, I would say, maybe a somewhat accurate depiction. But in that moment, that that well-placed sort of head shake from Grandpa Fred made me think, maybe Grandpa Fred is like not as bad off as we think. And and I think he is as bad off as we think. But I think that like in that moment, you're wondering. Maybe Fred is completely lucid and Joey moved in here before anything started to go wrong. I, I think that would be like an interesting twist. Also, just, you know, Fred kind of knowing what he knows or even suspecting things. Maybe he would be prompted that if it was an act to keep it up so then he doesn't have a target on his back. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good for you, Fred. I mean, no, Fred is a survivor. And that's one thing Fred does. Absolutely. 
Okay, so here's this clip of the two of them sort of getting acquainted with one another. 1243 to 1609. So before I forget, Kimberby? It's the nickname you gave me when I was six. When I say I was a big meat person back then. I was more into turtles myself. Isn't this your room? No, this is all you. I live in the guest house in back. Oh, I almost forgot they had that thing. You should come check it out sometime. <laughs> I know I already said this, but I'm really sorry about Jake. She was a wonderful woman. She was. I don't even really know what happened. What do you know? Gary just told me that she fell down the stairs in the middle of the night. You know as much as I do. And does he know? About Jane. About anything? Look, don't get me wrong. Your grandpa's got some serious memory issues. But sometimes, I swear, he's like 100% there. Really? And then he's mostly gone again. That's why we had to stop watching shows on TV that have a storyline because you couldn't follow them anymore. So when you watch repeats on the Game Show Network, but you know what? I'll be honest, I like them better. Less drama. <laughs> and uh, how long have you been helping them? About six months. So, are you ready to play Name That Pill? Such a dork. <laughs> Sorry, I've watched way too much TV with your grandpa. Uh, okay, this is the net result. This is to keep his brain active, but it also can make him nauseous, so you gotta keep an eye on that. Uh, okay, this one here, this is Wellbutrin. It's for depression. Works most of the time, but then again, so is a nice walk in the sun. Now, it is really important that he doesn't miss even one of these. How was she in the end? Was she with it? Totally. God, I wish, I wish you'd seen her. Me too. She... She had more energy than half the women a quarter of her age. I mean, she, she was reading a book a week right up until, you know, until, uh, until she moved on. Is he asking about her? <sighs> and then he forgets about what he asked. It's so hard. You know, I mean, she was, she was the love of his life. I couldn't even imagine that gravity of that pain. It's amazing what you're doing. It's a job. It's important. What about you? What do you do? I'm a writer. Yeah, it's impressive. What do you write about? Uh, mostly which celebrities are hooking up, what their pets' names are, stuff like that. Oh, wow, that's, um, I mean, that's really gotta be, you know, Soul-sucking. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I wasn't going to say it, but... <laughs> Does it feel like these two people are bonding over their, like, arrested development? I mean, to an extent, I feel like it's hard because I feel like I have to, you know, remind myself again that I'm watching a Lifetime movie and that 
this dialogue like i feel like for me it's a little bit harder to like even get to the the root of like how they're connecting whenever you know i feel like people don't talk the way that they were talking so let's double back (laughs) no i know people do not talk the way they were talking at all like the well i kind of hate that this character loves turtles because i love turtles and i don't want to be brought into that no absolutely or the the oh name that pill like i understand like but i would i would just be like hey here's the pills that he has to take like i i don't know like i think being quirky for the sense of being quirky is just like sometimes cringy Uh, oh for sure and i think that they're just trying to like quickly establish like a sense of rapport between the two so that when things steam up between the two of them so quickly it doesn't feel like that sort of like you know horny wife hooking up with the farmhand type thing that like realistically in this movie it is like he's hot she's hot too but like they're they're trying to establish some sort of emotional foundation that kim would read into in a way that maybe she feels safe but then Joey would read into it in a way where he feels like he's having like a genuine romantic connection with someone. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, Kim goes out into the hall and looks at the staircase and she's like, is this where my grandma fell? And we see a little flashback to Jane's arms. I mean, it's sad. It's like hard to watch this like old woman. Her arms are like flailing as she falls from the top floor all the way down to the bottom. And this is one of those houses that has a staircase that it's only two floors, but it like there's a landing in between. So it's like quite a grand staircase and that will come back into play later. But yeah. And Joey's like, yep. And by the time I got to her, it was useless, you know, and (laughs) just like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I wouldn't ask personally if I was, I don't know if I would ask. If I was, if I was Kim, I wouldn't want to know. I, it, it's a mix. It's like what I want to know, or I don't know. Cause it's, I feel like a lot of times whenever like bad things happen, we're looking for like a reason, right? Like we just want to know why, and maybe that why will help us like process. But in that case, like, you know, we heard she fell down the steps or I guess fell over the steps. Yeah, I need to give her some grace because like I'm judging her a little bit in the sense that it's like, you know, you want to hear that from Joey. Like you just met Joey. He was just like kind of hitting on you while taking you through your grandpa's pills. Like that's, I would already feel like I don't, he's not someone I can fully trust in that sense. Like maybe I'm, you know, I find him beguiling or something, but I don't find him to be someone that I like want that information from. I'd probably be more likely to seek that information from like a detective. And maybe that's just me, but she just like gets so comfortable with him so quickly. And maybe it's because she just feels so out of the loop that she doesn't really have a right to like go through the proper channels. Yeah. Agreed. And I mean, I feel like it's mentioned or even alluded to a lot during this movie, right? Because as we mentioned, she's been away for a year and he's been there for six months, but I don't know, maybe the skeptic in me would be like, well, was there someone before? Why? Like, have you been here six months? Like longer, like shorter? Did you just move into town? Like, 
I don't know. I'm just like, I'm so skeptical and such a cynicist when it comes to things that for me to like, just be vulnerable and like, be like that, like kind of like, Oh, I'll take your word as like grace, like with a stranger. I don't care how charming or hot they are, but like, I don't know. Like, Kim, it's just so frustrating. So like, yeah, I mean, and I feel bad. I don't want to judge, you know, but she's fake and we can judge for that reason. So yeah, like we see that Nick has a camera angle right on the two of them. And so presumably he'd have been able to watch Jane fall. So you're thinking to yourself, maybe that will come in as evidence later is that we're going to get that camera angle on Jane falling. And that will be what puts Joey in jail. So Kim and Fred are watching TV together and Joey comes in and Kim's trying to tell him that she's really sorry that she wasn't there when grandma died. And this is a conversation she tries to have with him many, many times. And this to me feels like the, the definition of like, you know, when like an ex who like you've been over for a long time suddenly calls you up and they want to give you an apology and you're like, excuse me. Like, I'm living my life. Like, you want to call me and do an apology now? Like, why? So you feel better? Like, okay, but thanks. Like, I'm, I'm, I didn't need this. This is for you. This is so that you feel like I don't hate you. You know, I feel like this is a little bit what Kim's doing, where it's like, leave Grandpa Fred alone. Like, three times during this movie, she's like, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. And, Like, I understand why she feels that way, but at a certain point, stop bothering Grandpa Fred with it, especially when he's watching his game show. Yeah, I think, like, she needs to read the room. There's definitely a time and a place to kind of talk about this. And also, like, you can only apologize but so many times. Like, at the end of the day, like, she has to just recognize she pretty much, like, unsubscribed whenever she couldn't deal. And that just meant that she wasn't able to be there. Cause who knows? Maybe if she was there, maybe grandma Jane would still be walking. Yeah. I feel like there might be a little bit of guilt on herself too. Yeah. And it's like, well, but like at that point, it's like, are you like, Kim, you need to apologize to yourself or you need to go to therapy or you need to do something. Cause like she, I understand why she feels guilty. Yes. She should feel guilty. So, but at the same time, no miles. Cause I'm going to double back on that later on. I am a little bit like Kim where I have a hard time reaching out when I'm dealing with something else mentally. So I, my only thing would be personally, I wouldn't have indulged in apologizing so many times. I would be like too ashamed to put this man through multiple apologies. I agree. And I think also it's just like a lot of times we don't want to admit whenever we feel like when we did something you know i think right and wrong is relative to who you talk to and like you know the situation because there's three sides to every story right there's one person's another person's and then like the objective like story i guess so it's like one of those things that i don't know if i would even be like oh yeah i'm gonna take blame like admittedly like i can't blame myself for like dealing with things the way i would want to deal with it so uh, as much as i want to hate like hate on kim I, I definitely get that. So like Uncle or Uncle Joey, I'm thinking of fucking Full House. So Joey's like walking in the room as she's sort of like explaining to him she's really sorry she couldn't be there. And Fred says, that's okay. The police came here. 
twice. And Kim's like, twice? And he goes, once before and once after. And Joey's like, he's right. Yeah, Jane called the police before the fall because she thought there was something wrong with Fred. And Fred looks like he's playing dumb. Like, not like he's having memory problems in this moment. He looks like he is just, you know, like he looks like the way that maybe when you're at a party and you see a guy whose wife is like an older man whose wife is like talking shit and doing the thing that she normally does. Like, who's who's sort of just, like, resigned to it, where he's like, well, this is what Betsy's going to do. Like, Fred just has this look on his face of, like, you know, Joey's going to be interrupting and saying what happened with the cops, so I'm just going to sit here and nod my head because I don't want to fight back. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And But <laughs> here's the thing I want to – back on my, like, little, like, Kim slander train, I feel like the one – plot line I would have loved to see a little bit more about Kim is the fact that she's colorblind um, because <laughs> the, the fact that Grandpa Fred said the police came twice and she just completely chose to ignore the red flags I'm assuming the only reason she would do that is the fact that she can't see the color red she's colorblind yes exactly yes, so I, I'm. It, it's just crazy like if my grandpa said oh yeah they came once before because grandma called i would obviously be like siren siren sirens like i wouldn't just be like oh that's cute like i do okay. you're right that's an important thing you honed in on is that kim might actually be colorblind and we should track that because i think that there might be some truth to that theory so kim is in bed that night and she gets a text and she puts her robe on and heads out to the balcony and the person who was texting her was Joey. So I think they're supposed to be in California. But they have these like things that you like the balconies that you would see in like New Orleans or Charleston where it's like every floor and every like like sort of big room has a little balcony off of it. Even mm-hmm. the guest house. And so Kim like comes out onto her bedroom balcony and she's in her like nighty in her robe, which like maybe this is the Catholic in me, but I cannot imagine wearing like a little nighty at my grandparents' house. Are you kidding me? Like I was in a full blown colonial nightgown if I was ever like, <laughs> anytime I would never be at my grandparents' house in a fucking little slip at night. But like she heads out to the balcony and Joey's watching her and he is like a full blown 80s romance novel like absolutely suntan to the gods like abs out perfect lighting like for some reason this like stray light bulb that is lighting him from his it's not even like it's more like a Romeo and Juliet type balcony that he has where it's just like a little bit of like an open door with like a little thing to keep a person from falling out of it it's not it's not really the big balcony that she has in the main house but, like, it's cartoonish how porny he looks in that moment. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's hilarious. And so, it admittedly, when I was watching this, I was, like, watching it in pieces. And I was in public for part of it. And I was like, oh, okay, this is really steamy. Like, I thought this was a, a lifetime for TV movie. Like, am I allowed to watch this in public? I'm like, what's about to happen? I thought this was TV 14. But... I completely agree. It was just, it was a little comical. And I feel like the way that they were doing it, like, it was just, 
again, that lifetime kind of accelerating the romance, accelerating the attraction. Like, I don't know. Like, like you said, I wouldn't just be like casually Jay chilling half naked in my grandparents' home. Or even if I was a caretaker, I would be like in like a trench coat or a parka or something like showing the least amount of skin possible. Like, I don't I know I I know and like this is even a little because like I always complain about how the men in these movies are just not my type like I I don't see a man with washboard abs and think like I would throw everything away for him like I'm more likely to see like a chubby guy of like you know slightly above average height like laughing with his friends and be like that's the man of my dreams so like to me I always see this and I'm just like I do not I don't relate like I can't I can't relate but this is like almost perverse to me like I'd be like you've been around my grandma and grandpa like leaning against this thing like that like you're sick like that I would have. that's when I would have been like call the city Yeah, absolutely. But the one thing I will give like them props for is the actor who played Joey at the time. I'm pretty sure he was like 46 or 47. Like, good for you, man. Yeah, I mean, he definitely has. But I mean, also, you have to remember, honey, with actors, that's literally their job is to stay in shape. And I know and I know that we have to definitely also give more like leniency. But like there's towards like especially women when they age. But like this guy is only he's only 10 no well so 1970 i know he's like he's much older than me he's well 14 or 15 years older than me or something but like he's the age in la that he should still have abs i don't see is he married let me see if he's married does imdb tell you he was actually no it's so funny because i was looking this up so he was married once and then married again but they don't know when the marriage started (laughs) so it says question mark to like an end year and I found that very funny. So Joey is the actor who plays him is Rib Hillis. And I know that this is these are the exactly the type of people that my older audience like is like, oh, my God, you don't know him. But he is, was on a show called The Bay. But I think most notably, he's from a lot of like he was on Port Charles. He was on Baywatch. I mean, this is a guy whose job it is, I have to say, to have abs. Yeah, absolutely. He also hasn't worked that much. I mean, like he had a he's had some good sprints, but he hasn't worked that much. No, it doesn't seem like it. I mean, also I saw that he was like I I don't know if it's included, but I think he also like got into like on that like parody movie phase with like Sharknado and like whatever. I don't think he was in Sharknado per se, but I think I remember seeing something like on his docket that was very similar. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, what a name though, Rib Hillis. So then um, Kim for everyone who's wondering, cause we normally will poke through this a little bit beforehand. This is Jessica Morris. I know we've had to have covered a movie with her in it before. Oh yeah. Cause I've clicked on certain things in her bio before but beacon hill is a series that she did that i always mention trying to think if what what else i'm like responding to right away is something that she definitely pool boy nightmare did i do that one the wrong teacher i mean i feel like some of these i've done before 
she's she's a very like new she's a good actress like a good lifetime movie actress where she's very pretty you're always gonna want to watch her but honey can i ask you have you seen vivica a fox's imdb picture wait i i have to look at this right now it's gonna blow your mind it's like honestly it's kind of like it's 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 kind of incredible oh wow she went with like a high drama yes it's a clear like you know it's a throwback photo but we love by the way grandpa fred is played by william goldman who does not have a ton of credits himself but i thought he was really great he just did the podcast series edith he did some college humor originals back in 20 can i get grandpa can i get grandpa fred a fucking job like, what is going on? Is my boy still with us? <laughs> right? Hoping. I Here's hoping. I hope our boy's still with us. But he was great. I thought Grandpa Fred did great. So. Wait. Um, Grandpa Fred. Apparently he wrote The Princess Bride. Mm, I'm sorry. Hold on. Where are you seeing that? So Grandpa Fred is played by William Goldman, right? Uh, William Goldman, uh, number two. He's the second William Gold- Goldman. Oh, okay. They they have him linked up to the wrong person. Yeah, then. if you go to the <laughs> if you go to the IMDb for the main, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm looking at this guy. I don't think he he only has two credits himself. He doesn't have any like writer di- director. But I wish. Oh my god, can you imagine if the guy who wrote The Princess Bride was? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. Sorry. I'm just. I got way too excited. So much is going on in Lifetime World. So, you know, the two of them are on the, this balcony and like they're sending each other some like, is it hot in here? Is it just me? And it's like, no, I think it's you type things. And he's like, well, get some rest. I'll see you in the morning. I hate it when a man tells me to get some rest. I hate when a man tells me what to do. Ever. Period. Oh. I know. But it's <laughs> like the get some rest. It's like, do you think you're soothing me to sleep right now? Like. If anything, I'm going to go back inside and, like, have anxiety about the fact that we just texted. I'm not going to go I mean, inside. Like, how, like, don't don't assume my personality. I'm actually anxious. I'm not going to go inside and get some rest. No, and it's like, oh, thank you so much for giving me permission to get some rest. Like, oh, I would have never done that if you didn't tell me to get some rest. Like, thank you. Like. <laughs> I know. And also, you woke me up. Like, you got me out of bed. In the morning, we see her wake up, and I just have to throw this out. This is one of my guys. You know, this is going to be the the. This is kind of the home goods trigger warning. But like, did you notice that the linens on her bed looked like a like a Target bed in a bag that you would buy for a college student? Yes, I did. I noticed that, like the. I felt like the staging was lazy and actually I there's a scene where she's looking through these pictures and I was just like this also just seemed lazy because like it was literally like a picture of her and Grandpa Fred like as they were in that exact moment. Like I felt like oh you could have done like a childhood picture or something. It just Right, like she got it framed that day. <laughs> yeah, it's like they took it in the backyard and they got it framed that day. I just felt like it was a lack of attention to detail. And I don't know much about Grandma Jane, but we did see how the master was kept. And I will say that in a house like that, typically, like, you know, Kim's grandparents grew up during the Depression. 
So they would have quality linens that would last a lifetime. Like that bed would have a summer cover. It would have a winter cover. Do you know what I mean? It would. There would be linens that have been in the family for 30 years, but they're pristine. Like, Absolutely. And they get the job done. And so I was a little bit like, what like sophomore in college? Like – is like was staying in this room before it, 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 I think the most sus thing about that is if I was Kim, they should have used it for Kim to be like, where did these linens come from? <laughs> grandma Jane <laughs> would have never had these. Like how long has grandma Jane really been dead for? But yeah. So Nick watches her on the cameras as she gets out of bed and she's about to head out for a run. But the bedroom across the hallway catches her eyes. So she goes in and her grandma's stuff is like, you know, she just spends some time in the room. And Grandpa Fred sleeps downstairs now in a different bedroom. But this was definitely the room that was like their marriage bedroom. And, you know, her brooches are still in the jewelry box. And she, you know, tries it on her sports bra and then just sort of like holds it to her mouth and kisses it. And when she goes outside before her run and she gets a little pre-stretch in and Joey's watching it from his room. So while she's out running, this is such a, we see this in so many of these movies where these guys like run up and do the surprise thing on women in situations where it's like, if you had any clue how scary it is to like walk around knowing that you could be like attacked at any moment, you would not, you would never do that to a woman, but you just won't know. You won't know what it's like to be vulnerable like that with your headphones on, jogging with your little ponytail, and then all of a sudden someone comes up behind you and snatches you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it it really kind of like struck a nerve because I was just like – I the only reason it struck a nerve with me is because very recently I was walking and I was just kind of in my own little world and someone kind of like – you know, they didn't like do anything like – super startling but I was like startled by like their presence because I was kind of in my own little space and I was just like yeah I if someone did that I would probably like freak out I don't know it, it wouldn't be cute and I feel like the fact that they were trying to paint it as like cute and playful like ugh, I I got the ick from it well I think like for the women at home maybe it's a clue that guys that do that like aren't all there like, you wouldn't have a really great guy character just popping out of nowhere being like, hey, surprise. Yeah, very psychotic. In real life, it's only guys who are, like, insensitive to their surroundings who do that. I don't know. It's it's just – that's how you know, guys. That's one of the things. It's not even some of the other things that people talk about in movies where it's like, this is how you know it's the bad guy. He's not using an iPhone. No, the reason why you know this guy's the bad guy is because he thinks it's okay to, like, jump out at a woman while she's running. So – they like get into a little bit of a challenge for a race and they do this like thing where they run to the park and you know, once they get there again, he does another little fake out race. But the important thing to remember here is that she can outrun him. And I thought certainly that, that there was going to be a scene in this movie where there was like a mile of road that they had to get down and that she was going to have to smoke him. Like I thought it was setting it up for that too. Like, I was like, oh, is this going to be important? The fact that she's like all state champion and that she can run super fast. Like, I feel like sometimes they'll set that up, but I feel like it was just a wasted opportunity. 
Yeah, like most importantly, she can outrun him. You know what I mean? Like at the end of the day. So Kim and him like sit down on the side of the, you know, hill. There's a little grassy knoll. She's like, I admire your job so much. I couldn't even take care of, you know, people I know the way that you take care of grandpa. I'm not sure how long I'm staying, but I feel like I'm starting to find some reasons to stick around. So she's like, I mean, this girl's like, Babe, your grandma just died, and you're trying to get laid in her house? Yeah, no. Just, <laughs> Just admit that you don't want to be a writer. Like, you don't have to do all of this. Like, you can just tell Jen, hey, Jen, I hope we can still be besties, but I don't think that this is going to be a long-lasting career path with me because what she's doing is she's at home using this opportunity to maybe lay some ground with someone who's a caretaker for her grandparents like to me I'm just getting someone that doesn't want to go back to work I completely agree I think that's a spot-on deduction like let's say Joey's a great guy okay let's say in a world where he's a great guy and this exact story plays out where Kim move like you know comes home for the funeral and decides to stay or whatever when they're getting divorced in 10 years Like, the therapy conversation is going to be, like, honestly, I think I was just really unhappy in my career, and I made some rash decisions after, you know, both the loss of my parents and my grandmother, and I felt like if I didn't take this time and use it to spend time with my grandpa and maybe settle down, like, I was never going to leave the grind of writing about the Bachelor finale. Like, I... That's the conversation in therapy. No, absolutely. But I think the irony of it is she's not even really writing about anything. Like she's kind of just like droning. And it's like when I I think also just kind of like doubling back to like the whole Kim backstory. When's the last time she had a good, like successful story? I feel like I wanted that, like that context, like, oh, you haven't had a good story in like a year. Like, is this like a one time like block? Is this? It's just like one of those things that I feel like they talk about it, right? Like that was like a bonding point for her and Joey, whatever the case may be. Like, oh, it's soul sucking writing. But like, when's the last time you had like something like big and like, yeah. So I think that like the way that they're trying to portray someone who like does maybe like online writing at this time is based off of like the maybe like 2000 you know, eight model of blogging where it was like, you didn't really have to be breaking big stories, but you had to be pulling numbers. And so it's, you know, at that time for a lot of people who worked in like the blogosphere, like in in the sort of like online publication world, it was less about like, it was like, it was less about writing work you were proud of and more about writing work that, that would get massive page views, which would then ensure your paycheck and potentially even your bonus. Cause like there would be a a lot of these blogs back then there would be bonuses to write posts that got like, if your post got over a million views, that would be a a bonus. You know what I mean? Oh, fair. I mean, honestly, that's really cool to hear because you know, I, my background is not necessarily in that. So no, I think that. No, this was 2017 when this movie was written. So it doesn't make sense for this world. Right? Like I, it just seems like she I don't know. It just seems like Kim doesn't want to Kim doesn't want to do her job. And that's okay. Like I wonder what Kim's job would be though if she was 
She can't work in fashion. She's colorblind. <laughs> Absolutely not. I know someone's going to, guys, feel free to tweet me the link about the colorblind designer I don't know about because I know that's coming. So she's like, tell me about your family. And he gets really quiet and says that he never knew his dad and his mom died when he was five. So his grandparents took care of him. And she's like, so that's why you do this? And he's like, absolutely. And he's like, well, level with me, Cam. Why didn't you ever visit? And she's like, after my parents died, I just felt like I needed to stay away. The thought of visiting them just reminded me that my parents are dead and I lost everything. So it seemed easier to hibernate than deal with grief, which I 100% agree with. I'm, I would never fault someone for that mentality because I am like the OG. That I'm the OG of that. That is exactly who I am. I have that exact personality where I'm like, well, I guess we'll never speak again. And I wish we could. But (laughs) I can't face that conversation. So he says, sometimes those things happen to us. A lot of times you don't deserve what you get, but it's not okay to beat yourself up over the things you can't control. It's better to work to be the best Kim you can possibly be. And that is how you honor someone, which is like interesting insight for what we'll find out is the truth about Joey is that like. You know, it's interesting that that's the man he is behind there. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And just like with the whole like, why did you never visit? And like, oh, why are you being so hard on yourself? It's only been a year, my dude. Like you started in this job six months ago. So don't ask me that. Like, I, I feel like I, I when I'm watching these, I try and put myself in that main character shoes. Like, how would I react? Like, et cetera, et cetera. Like, you know, within the Lifetime Network universe you know, Marvel Cinematic Universe, step aside. We're in the Lifetime Universe today. Always. So it's one of those things that I think that Joey or, you know, all the names that we'll come to know him by throughout the movie. I know. I I think it's very interesting because, like, it almost does, like, paint this picture of, like, maybe he is, like, slightly sane, but... I, I mean, I guess we'll learn a little bit later. Or on. maybe he like read that on a bookmark at a Christian bookstore. And I'm just like desperately trying to give him credit. I don't know. But like, obviously, they're being watched from the bushes. We're going to get that POV of like they're being watched. And then we're going to see Kim catch up on the phone with Jen. And of course, we're going to see that Nick is tapping the phone 2519 to 2641. I feel a little closer to my grandma spending time in her space. Grandpa, okay? He gets mixed up a lot. Like when he told me that the police were at the house earlier the night my grandma fell. Wait, they were? I thought he was confused, but Joey backed it up, said it was a mistake. Joey again? Is he living there in the house? Out back in the guest house. Jen, I gotta say, he's pretty amazing. What's this Joey look like? Oh, gorgeous. Stop. Do you really think this is a good time for you to be falling in love? Stop. Listen to me, Kim. As your friend and your boss, be careful with this guy. You don't really know anything about me. Okay. Yes, fine. I don't. Text me a picture of Joey. I'm going to have Jason do a background search on him, make sure that he's cool. Come on, you don't have to do that. And in the meantime, go down to the police station, check the report, find out what really happened that night. Okay. Okay. I'll talk to you soon. Hi. 
Jason? What do you need, boss? I need you to do some investigating on one of your co-workers. They may be in over their head. Oh, yeah? Who's that? So, like, I, I was trying to, like, see if there was, like, a common thread between the wrongs. And the way that Jason comes in in this scene, you would think that, like, all of these The Wrong movies are linked to Jen, the editor. The same way that I felt when she played a detective in the last movie. You're like, the way she interacts with all these characters, you think that they're in all the same movies together. But Jason's just, like, an assistant, and this, like, sort of, like, ominous music plays when you're like, okay, something's really happening here. Like, Jason's going to come in and do some research. Meanwhile, we see Kim go down to the station and the young cop, I have to say, he is very cute. Okay. He looks like one of my high school boyfriends, Jimmy Brennan, like absolutely adorable. So she's like, I'm in town today because my grandmother passed away and she heard that the cops came to the house before her grandmother died and she just wants some more info on that. So the deputy gets her detective Harper and they're going to sit down in his office. Here's that scene between them. I'm Detective Harper. You're the Cassidy's granddaughter? Yes, Kim. Sorry for your loss, Kim. Thank you. How can I help you? I understand you were the detective at the house the night of the accident. Yeah. Let's see, Monday the 14th at uh, 7.38 p.m., dispatch received a distress call from the residence. Who made the call? Jane Cassidy. All she said was she needed help in a hurry. Got there 7.46. She's already on the porch saying it was all a mistake. Couldn't wake up her husband, got scared. Turned out he was just in a deep sleep. Yeah, that's what Joey said. Their caretaker. D did you talk to him? Mr. Nolan came out just before I left. And? He seemed okay to me. Okay. Great, well, I, I guess that's that's it. I did think there might have been more to it. Why? Your grandmother had this look in her eyes the whole time. She seemed nervous. Well, she, she did think that her husband was dying, right? And it explains how she would have been distracted when she fell down those stairs a few hours later. Look, I've seen all this before. Older people slip and fall all the time, and when you live in a two-story home, all it does is double the risk. I'm sure you got nothing to worry about. Give me a call if there's any trouble. Thank you. This episode is sponsored by Factor. Okay, here's what I love about Factor meals. They make eating better easy. They're fresh, never frozen. They take two minutes in the microwave. You get to pick what meals you're going to eat. Over 35 different recipes are available to you to choose from. Their delicious recipes are chef-crafted and nutritionist-approved. They are very filling. Like, not too much, but they're perfectly filling. I had the keto meal last week. I've been doing the keto meals, basically. And there was one day in particular that I just remember going to bed and being like, I'm actually full. Like I ate hours ago and I'm actually full. Normally I need a little snack snack. You know, I get up to the chocolate after dark, 
but I was totally full, completely satisfied, and my meal was delicious. You can also do calorie smart meals, vegan or veggie, and protein plus. There's also other stuff you can try as well. You can get as much or as little as you want and reschedule or pause at any time. Personally, I get six meals. You can go up to 18. That's what my boyfriend does. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash mothermayi50 and use code mothermayi50 to get 50% off. That's code mothermayi50 at factormeals.com slash mothermayi50 to get 50% off. No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who's about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow or Narcosis wherever podcasts are served. So Detective Harper is like giving me about as much faith as any other Lifetime movie detective. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's like kind of like the the use. I, I feel like they're always painted as this like, oh, like I'm useful, but also like useless in a sense. And that's why like, you know, like, Vivica A. Fox in the end ends up like kind of like blowing the whole thing wide open. Of course. And like, well, it's also, you know, they do a good job of consistently having it be like, it's an old lady. She died. Like, are there that many strings to tie up? Like, what's the big mystery? Like, she said that she called the cops by accident. Like, he's not taking Kim's like sense of urgency and maybe this curiosity about like who Joey really is very seriously. He's just sort of all taking it at face value. And we will see that throughout the movie. Like this guy figures out everything two beats too late. And by the time he comes to Kim, like proud of himself for having the information, she's like, yeah, I know. Like, or there's one point at the very end where he says to her, good job. And it's like, (laughs) Good job. Like, like if you had been listening to her the first time or being in touch or anything, like if if you made it safe for her to be a person that she could call with like follow ups, like you would have been able to do that. But so Kim and Joey go out to a bar in town that night and things are heating up between them very quickly. There's a lot of like heavy petting, a lot of touching. And Joey gets a call from Fred. So they have to run. And when they get back, Cassie from the funeral was there watching him. And Cassie seems very cool. She seems like someone that if I went to hair school, I would love if Cassie was there. She seems like easy. Like she'd be like fun to smoke a cigarette and talk shit with, you know, Uh, there's nothing like potentially evil about her seeming. But like also if you were to find out that like she was involved in some wrong shit, you'd be like, oh, good for you, Cassie. Like I didn't see it. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think later on whenever some things are revealed about like her involvement it's like kind of surprising but it's still like i think it still keeps with that innocent theme like yes it's slightly like immoral or irrational or whatever but i think like at the end of the day she still had like such a minuscule like 
evilness to her. It would have been so much more interesting if she was way more involved. Like, I would have liked if Cassie was playing more of the role that, like, they're going to say Nick played. Where it's like, I actually don't know what how Nick was getting a percentage on this deal. Because, like, Nick is involved in the Grand Con, not to spoil anything. But, like, Nick is supposedly in on this deal that Joey's been doing by himself with, like, killing these old people. And it... It's like, how did Nick get involved? How did Cassie get involved? And, like, I think it would have been more interesting if, like, like Cassie brought Nick into the fold because they were together, you know? A- absolutely. And, I mean, even just, <laughs> I guess, like, whenever you watch these movies, you kind of have to, like, suspend, like, normal belief for a minute because how convenient was it that, yeah, Joey found this couple – like randomly that just happened to be sitting on like a expensive land or whatever the case may be. And there happened to be a house across the street that opened up like just, an, it, I I love these movies because it, it just makes me think, but I think it would have been a lot more interesting if she was like almost like the mastermind behind it. I agree. I agree. Or like if she and Joey were together and then when Joey started to irrationally like fall for Kim and sort of forget the plan, if she came in and was like, fuck no. And like then, cause like with lifetime, we're talking about television for women. And what I always like is that like, even in every flawed woman in this movie, you can, in a movie, you can identify with a part of every single one of them. So if if Cassie was the one who was like, no, I run this show, then I'd be like, okay, I feel like I understand her evil motivation a little bit more, but like, where they have her right now is she's just sort of like diminutive. Agreed. Anyway, so they bring Fred to bed. And once he's tucked in, Kim and Joey start making out next to his doorway. And I cannot even tell you how uncomfortable and perverted this is to me. Oh, so admittedly, I watched all of the movie except for that, like, 20 second scene. I I was you watching it on turn my away. I, no, I was watching it on my phone and I just skipped 10 seconds ahead, like twice. And then, you know, they were doing what they wanted to do. And I was just like, really? Like, here's the thing. I understand if the shot like would have been like, oh, first in the bedroom and then pans to them. But something just made me extremely uncomfortable about Fred still being in that shot as they're like getting started and getting hot and bothered. Yeah, because, like, the way Jason, like, basically tucks Fred in and then comes out to the hallway where Kim is standing on the other side. Like, she's basically standing up against, like, the wood paneling on the wall outside of his bedroom. And he, like, you know, they just start making out. Like, I, I, it was unclear to me whether or not they were potentially having sex. It seemed like they had sex based off of, like, what I see in Lifetime of the depiction of sex. That it could have been the implication was that they were like literally banging on the wall less than like six inches away from Grandpa Fred's door frame and like no further than like eight feet deep into his room. Like it was you better hope Grandpa Fred's deaf. Right. Or better hope that he had like an ambient before he went down just because no, it it, it was honestly just very like. Here's the thing. I've seen, you know, plenty of movies, way more explicit than Lifetime movies, where, you know, there's scenes and things happen. 
like I'm planning on doing like a Euphoria episode in the next couple of weeks. Like, and anyone has seen Euphoria, you know how you know graphic that can get. But I'd never felt like actually just kind of like grossed out by any of that. That scene in The Wrong Man where they're doing that just ugh. No, this is extreme even for a lifetime. I would say like fucking next to grandpa. Like that's extreme even for a lifetime. It's it, it's a very intense. It's very intense. Um, And I would recommend probably I haven't even seen Euphoria, but I would recommend that over just watching this sex scene. So, um, yeah. So Nick is watching them on hit one of his cameras and he cuts the camera when things start to get too hot and heavy which i thought was homophobic (laughs) why is that i don't know i mean like no honestly (laughs) i don't know but i was like why does he have decency now like does he not want to see joey naked like or is he being so respectful to kim's body autonomy like what's going on there that he's he's shutting the camera off now but also he had a camera in her bedroom so like Ew, I honestly, I think just like kind of thinking, like reading outside of the script and reading outside of the scenes, like some really gross things could have been happening. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So Fred and Kim are drinking OJ at the kitchen table the next morning. And Joey's like, coffee will be ready soon. And Fred says, my daughter never drank that stuff. She drank tea. We used to call it and they Kim and him say it in unison, coffee with class. And Fred wonders aloud about how his daughter's doing and Kim can't bring herself to tell him. So Joey brings him breakfast and he's like, well, don't fill up, honey, because I'm taking you out to dinner tonight. And he goes, what do you think, Fred? Any objections to that? And Fred just sort of like, you know, I mean, he does sort of like a little head shake. I mean, that's, again, where you start to think, like, maybe Fred is with it. Maybe Fred's with it, and he just knows that this guy's definitely boning his granddaughter. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. So Kim's running in the park, and then Nick is going to try and do, I guess, maybe a similar move to what our boy Joey did, where he's going to, like, try and bump into her, but, like, instead he comes at her like a fucking linebacker like this guy is like sprinting across the field at full speed and it's actually kind of insane it's like movie magic that he didn't (laughs) knock her down when this happened 31 51 to 33 21 oh sorry oh my god (laughs) between you and joey i'm gonna have a heart attack on one of these runs oh i saw you two jog the other day it inspired me he tends to do that Wow, look at that smile. Safe to say that you guys are getting along okay. You could say that. (laughs) So, how's it going with your grandfather, Fred? He's doing well, all things considered. Uh, You know, to be honest, when I came into town, I I didn't know what to expect. Being some stranger watching my grandparents, but... We couldn't have done better than Joey. Yeah, he's a really good guy. So, are you guys good friends? No, more like good neighbors, you know, hi, bye, that sort of stuff. So you wouldn't know if if he's dated anyone seriously since he's been here? You want me to pass him a note in class? (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) I'm in high school, right? He did ask me to dinner tonight. Really? Yeah. 
Wow, that's, um... It's weird, right? Because I'm in town for my grandmother's funeral. It's just... There's something about him. Everything happens for a reason, right? Wouldn't that be nice? I'm gonna continue my run. I don't want to cool down. Yeah. You coming? Uh, you go run. Uh, I'm going home. Lay down. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Well, I'm sure gonna bump into you one of these days. Yes, you will. Okay. Bye. Bye. Okay, so what do you think about this interaction? I think one thing I, I was over here laughing and I'm pretty sure they could hear whenever you were like the way that he approached her at first was like a line. Honestly, it was just barbaric. Like it was, it was insane and hilarious, but I just feel like that interaction, you don't really know Nick's motivation for asking, right? It's like, does Nick have a crush on her? And is he like taken aback by the fact that like Joey asked her out or is there like some deeper, darker meaning to it? And I think later on we kind of learn what that meaning is and like how that conversation unfolded. But it's like still so hard. Every time she talks to Nick, it's like, is he like the knight in shining armor or is he like also the wrong? Yeah. One? I mean, like I'm almost looking at Nick as like maybe a protective uncle esque figure to her where he's sort of like keeping an eye on the situation and maybe he's not trying to like get with her or something, but like hopefully Maybe he's just suspicious of Joey and has been like, you know, kind of keeping an eye on her because he doesn't trust this caretaker. But can I just say that, like, one of my main takeaways from this is that it is so fucking humiliating to, like, have a crush on someone or to be in that phase where you're like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I feel this way about him, but I don't know where it's going. I would I I don't. I don't want to ever, I don't want to have that conversation again in my life. Like, and I don't want anyone to ever see me like that again in my life. I don't want anyone to ever see me like sort of like, well, I don't know. Like, you know, I kind of really like him, but is it weird? Like it's, I don't want to ever do that again. It's so embarrassing. And like, it's very pure. And like, I love it from a younger person or whatever, but I'm kind of looking at Kim and I'm like, babe, get it together. Like, are you a closer or not? Like, (laughs) Get it together. Like, you know what I mean? Like, close the deal, figure it out, or just, like, you need to be above it. But, like, this hand-wringing at our adult age is inappropriate. I I agree. And it's, like, also, I I don't know. I wouldn't want to be, like, that vulnerable with, like, a stranger to an extent, too. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, Nick, he's a neighbor, but he's also a stranger. So it's kind of, like... I don't like being vulnerable. Like I much rather just like kind of wear like a stone face and just be like, Oh yeah. He asked me out. Okay. I know. Whatever. Like if, if the neighbor Nick asked me that I would pretend I didn't know what he was talking about. Yep. A hundred percent. I'd be like, Oh, like, you know, if he said like, I heard you were getting dinner tonight and be like, yeah, we need food. <laughs> it's like, Oh, you heard. Yeah. That? I'd cool. be like, well, <laughs> that's so crazy that you would hear that. Nick was giving me, and now that I look back on it, he was giving me a little bit of like Moses Hackman vibes. Moses Trisha, Hackman. Trisha Paytas's baby daddy slash, I guess, well, he's her husband. Oh my God. Insane. I literally texted my friends, no context. So I was like, she's pregnant in all caps. And I let them figure out the, the rest. I mean, the good friends knew, right? 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. So, uh, yeah, but he definitely has, like, you know, he Nick runs a water museum out of his house type vibes. So Kim and Josh are heading out on their date that night, and Cassie stops them on the way out. And Kim's like, how long have you worked for, you know, the center that you worked for where you were found? And she's like, oh, uh, Parker Care Center. And the way she says it, she like has this sort of like she squints a little bit when she looks at Josh and you're like, okay, so Cassie is repeating a lie. She's been told. Right. <laughs> but like it is kind of subtle enough that in Lifetime, like sometimes the acting is that like choppy that you're like, oh, I could imagine that she just kind of fumbled that and they didn't retake the scene. But apparently they both got placed at the first house and the rest is history. So Nick watches Kim and Josh take off from behind a tree. And the way that Nick's hiding behind this tree is fucking incredible. Like it's straight out of Pretty Little Liars. It's like so. Oh my gosh. It's so absurd because it's like, you know, Nick is like a 45 year old man. Like he's like a, he's like a tall guy. Like the way he's hiding behind this tree, it's like there's no actual adult man who would think he'd get away with hiding like this in anything other but a lifetime movie. So, so Kim and Joey are having this dinner and she's like, I need you to tell me something. And he's like, what? And she's like, just tell me anything that my grandmother used to do. Like, I just need to feel close to her. So he thinks about it. And he says that when whenever workers would come over to the house, she would not let them leave unless she fed them. There was this one plumber who she insisted she make pasta salad for. And he looked at her like she was crazy. But then by the time he was leaving, he was licking the bowl. And he's like, the pasta salad bowl, not the toilet bowl. And they, like, have a little laugh about that. And it's like, I don't know. I guess it's like a, you can make that up about anyone's grandma. Right. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, I feel like if you didn't really know your, it's hard for me to, like, be like, oh, tell me more about what my grandma did. I guess, like, on a day-to-day, maybe. But, like, again, just kind of dialing back, her parents died a year ago. And it seemed like she was coming around pretty frequently before they died. So, like. Is it like, tell me what my grandma has been doing in the past six months? Yeah. Like, I And how many people are really coming? Exactly. Like how many people I, in a house like that? Actually, probably a lot. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a little it's a little like it feels made up. I think it would have been interesting if like Grandma Jane was actually a terrible cook. And he like <laughs> made up that lie because like, you know, he doesn't really know anything about her. And it would be interesting if that came back later or if Kim acted surprised by that because, like, her grandmother was, like, sort of notoriously a bad cook. Because, like, she is of that generation where she would be, like, very, like, you know, casserole heavy, very, like, jello salad heavy. Like, that would have been fun to play with. But, oh, my God, you should come up with – and I'm trying to think of, like, what the connection would be – but Miles, I feel like you could come up with like a very chic jello salad and that would do very well on TikTok and it would be great on the podcast. I will go to the drawing if board. If you came up with like a <laughs> modern, maybe even like a boozy, like maybe if you came up with like a boozy ambrosia jello type thing, I feel like that would go over huge. 
Yes, absolutely. Okay, so Josh cared for an elder couple before them, he explains to her, but they didn't like him the way that Jane did. Jane Cassidy was magnificent. And so they're toasting to her, and this guy comes up, and he's like, Jesus, Sean, what the hell are you doing in this zip code? Sean, it's Mitch, Mitch Martin. And I felt like that almost, like, spoke to, like, why he might have been at that nursing home. Like, was he just, like, or the care home or whatever? Like, was he just hanging out in, like, rich care centers in the lobby waiting to find, like, a rich family that would take him home? Because he's only, he's not looking to take advantage of poor elderly people. Yeah, no, he has a type. He has a type. So Joey's like, you must have me confused with someone else. And he's like, you're not Sean Moses? I'm telling you, man, you look a lot like Sean Moses. And he, like, finally gives it up. But before he walks away, he's like, well, I'm on the bar tonight. So if either of you want a nightcap, it's on me. And when he walks away, Joey's like, that was weird, huh? So when they get home, Kim invites a man. She's very charged up, okay? She's had some wine. You know, she's feeling it. And she's like, come on in. And he's like, I'm tired. I'm beat. I got to go home. But good night, Kimberby. I don't like that he is using the name. Like that her grandparents used. Right. Like that is a nickname her grandparents gave her because she was a small child. And she, yeah, she was a small child. Like, and that's. And that's that. It's not really much more complicated than that. It's it's strange that you would feel comfortable using it. I agree. But I think also maybe it's like foreshadowing because we see like a couple times throughout the movie how he like almost tries to exhibit a sense of control over her. And it's creepy. So he's going into the grandpa role? I don't know necessarily going into the grandpa role, but like he does like the Kimber B thing. And I think actually like maybe like a scene or two um, ahead, not to skip ahead, but... He's like, where have you been? Like, kind of like almost that like parental no, I'm figure obs- type I'm obsessed. Thing. I'm obsessed. So Josh is not beat, apparently. He has time to go back to the restaurant to not take Mitch up on that nightcap, but finish the night with him for sure. So let's play the scene where Mitch is walking to his car, 3716 to 3756. Yo, Mitch. <laughs> it is you, Sean. I knew it. Come on, you think anyone else could have this face, huh? <laughs> hey, so why'd you lie? Well, oh, no, no, let me guess. It was because of the girl, huh? Yeah. <laughs> she thinks my name is Joey. You, t- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you told her it was Joey. Yeah. Oh, it's hey, good to see you. You too. You look great. Yeah. Hey, let me give you my new phone number. Yeah, uh, let me grab my phone. Okay. It's in the car. Same old Sean. <laughs> Yep. Same old Sean. Got that right. So when Mitch is going to his car to like get his phone or whatever, Joey puts on leather gloves and he comes up behind him and strangles him. So spoiler alert, Joey does not have the childhood that we thought he did. He was it wasn't pitched to us exactly correctly. It turns out that he spent some time in an orphanage at one point. And then he kind of like fell off the map for 12 years. And I'm wondering, do you think that they grew up together in the orphanage? I don't think so, because 
they reveal his original name at the very end. Oh, you're right. And it's not Sean Moses. Like, Sean Moses was that persona for that family that he came to, like, right beforehand. But I do find it funny, like, how quickly, like, he, like, integrates himself into a community where he's, like, oh, old friend almost. But, like, you know, if he just moved here, like, six months ago, and I'm pretty sure the other couple that he ended up, like, you know, hanging out with was, like, maybe, like, a year ago, like, I, I don't know the time again it's the lifetime timeline like never really makes sense yeah to it's hard to get away with this for too long in your life though because like my mom told a story about like one time she was in the Louvre right and like literally some woman goes Shauna and it was like a woman whose house my mom cleaned like way back in the day and it's like you can go like at a certain point you can go anywhere in the fucking world and someone is going to find you. And I, I could never keep up with that. I would never be able to keep up with the who knows the Sean Moses, who knows Joey, who knows original ID. Like, I would never be able to keep up with that. Like, there's no at a certain point, especially the older you get, there's nowhere in the world you can go without getting recognized that much. I, I completely agree. But I think. Also, maybe it's just, again, like a development point where it's just saying like how kind of like crazy we're going to learn he is and how many personalities he can kind of adapt and how many personas like because also like, I mean, in the scene with Nick, like Nick's like, oh, well, you know, I furnished XYZ to you. So I mean, from the point of being recognizable, like there's only but so many ways that you can change your appearance. But yeah, I don't know. It's I, I think it's. Just, Again, with Lifetime movies, I, I feel like I kind of just have to, like... Suspend your disbelief. Exactly. Miles, you're a cultured man. You are a well-traveled man. Where's, like, the randomest place you've ever run into someone you know? That's, like, what are the odds? So it's <laughs> it's funny because my friends, they would always hate, like, going out with me because I was I was, for lack of a better term, like, you know, popularish in high school. Like I had a lot of friends. So freshman year of college, we decided to take a vacation in Virginia Beach. And I think we had just gone to the mall right before we left. And, you know, I ran into someone I know because that's how I am. Like, you know, like those like people in the community that just kind of knows everyone. That was me, right? Like, you know, couldn't really go somewhere without being sure. recognized. And then we get to the beach and my friend makes a joke. And he's like, yeah, nobody's going to, like, you're not going to run into anyone you know here. We walk maybe 10 meters into the beach. And all you hear is, Miles? Oh, my God. And my friends, the looks on their faces was just so defeated. Because literally 10 seconds before, they were like, yeah, you're not going to know anyone here, blah, 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 blah. And, yeah, I was recognized there. And then I think also now because of TikTok, like, strangers will stop me on the street and be like hey i know you from tiktok and i'm like oh okay does that still happen okay you. so how often does that happen to you it happens a lot less than i would have thought like i mean it's only probably happened like less than 10 times i think the most surprising time is i was in boston oh yeah at this random bar and i was with like old college friends that i hadn't seen in forever and this girl came up to me and i just assumed that it was like one of my college friends friends and then she, like, revealed to me that she's like, oh, my God, I love your TikTok videos. And then her boyfriend came up and was like, my girlfriend loves your TikTok videos. And I was just like, this is That's so Boston. That's and so – but well, because, like, in New York, I feel like 
everyone sort of knows someone is something. Do you know what I mean? And then like, yeah. then of course, like, you know, with social media, other social media people will want to like, just, you know, hold court with you. Like, that's just how it is. It's like, you're all from the same sort of platform or whatever. And it's like, like finds like, you know, but no, that's so Boston that that would, ha- I, I love that. What bar were you at in Boston? I think it was called the Broadway and it was on Broadway. It was like, it was a little bit off the beaten path, but it was, it was really cool. Love that. Really good vibes. Yeah. Like, so he had to go because Mitch knew he was there. Mitch is, Mitch is gone. So Kim heads out for her run the next day and Nick calls her over and Nick's doing this like. I don't know if he's selling water bottles in front of his house, but like he has this like big cooler where he just sort of like whips out this water bottle from. And it's not like Nick is like, uh, you know, has a construction truck outside or anything that would imply he needs a cooler of water bottles, but he has one ready for her. And he's like, come on over. You need to hydrate. So Kim basically says that when Joey's with Fred, he's perfect, but she is suspicious because Fred said that the police were called to the house when grandma fell twice and Joey assured her it was a mix up, but the police said differently and just, you know, what was it he said again about like Joey, keep an eye on Joey or if she needs anything regarding Joey, like she's basically just like, can you expand on what you said at the funeral? And Nick's like, oh, no, no, I never meant to imply anything like that. You know, I I just I knew you were going to be living in a house with a stranger. And if something felt off, you should feel free to come to talk to me about it. And so Kim thanks him for the water and runs off. I was worried that he had drugged the water. But then I was like, maybe he's selling I mean, waters on his porch. I mean, maybe I I can't say that I would necessarily buy water off of a stranger's porch, but to each their own. Like, I mean, I love that. Love the hustle. No, it does feel like like there was a town 5K or something that day and that maybe people will be lining the streets at some point. Like, the way he was sitting out there with that, like, I guess, like, cooler full of water bottles, it felt to me like, I don't know, like maybe he had daughters inside who were planning on selling those for, like, two bucks each and, like, putting a little spending money away for the school year type thing. So Kim thanks him for the water, runs off. Joey and Fred are walking around the yard a little bit later, and Kim calls Jen from behind a tree. And, like, this is – when I say behind a tree, I need you to understand, guys. When I say behind a tree on this podcast, I mean behind a tree. Like, it is a – I think some of you know this. Some of you guys have heard me talk about behind the tree before on other things. Like, you have to understand that in a lifetime, a tree is essentially a wall. They treat it as such. Like, it is a spooky wall. It's like a lattice fence or something. The way that they portray trees in these movies, like, they can do a lot more than they do. So she and Jen are talking, and she's like, did you sleep with Joey? And she's like, I did, kind of. And I'm like, what did you do? Like, everything but anal? Like, what are you suggest? Like, what are you suggesting? <laughs> because, like, during dinner, she's like, could you say something that would, like, make me happy? He's like, I think I already did something that makes you happy. And I'm like, so what What are you saying? You guys did oral? Like, what are you saying? You went to third base? Like, I'm here I am. I'm like, can you fucking clarify? Because you have me over here thinking the worst. 
God. Sorry, Miles. Now you know the real me. No, I. <laughs> I know I love that I, and I think I'm honestly just gonna like use that in like my daily life now like what everything but anal like I oh my god that was, like oh, Jen goes, oh so the flowers off the bloom and Kim goes like Kim's like well not everything and I'm like well what do you mean then like did you guys finger bang and go to bed like what are you saying <laughs> so but I, I I think it also just kind of portrays and like it fits into that whole like little like high school like kind of teeny boppy like should I pass a note or them texting from the balcony. I think it's also juvenile. I, it is, but like what's the craziest part is that like I'm finally the at the point in my life where I'm like would be maybe the age of some of these lifetime stars where I think they're supposed to be in their life. And I'm like, babe, get a fucking grip. Like Get a grip. <laughs> so she tells her that she went to the cops like she told her to. But a couple nights ago when they went to dinner, this dude kept calling him Sean Moses. And Joey said it was probably just like another misunderstanding. But Jen does not like this at all. She's like, Jason didn't find anything on Joey Nolan. But now we're going to start looking into this Sean Moses guy. And Kim says that the only other thing she knows about him is that the nursing company that he worked for it was like Parker care community or whatever. And she's going to maybe pay them a visit. And Jen's like, well, I'll see you next week. So I, I mean, I think it's kind of huge that Jen is planning on coming out there next week to see her. Like that's kind of like yeah, mage I, to like, I know that it's all, there's no flights. Like they would have definitely like implied that there was a flight involved, but like, it's pretty mage that like your boss would come visit you. Well, I mean, it's boss and friend, right? Yeah, but like at your grandpa with the Mencha's house, like while this Joey guy's living, like, you know what I mean? Like, even my best friends, I'd say like, I'll meet you back in the city. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if you need to get into all this. No, fair. I mean, I think that's also like kind of like a a missed opportunity. Like they establish, oh, as your friend and your boss, but like, they could have like given us a little bit of color into that friendship. Like maybe they were childhood yes! friends. Maybe he's already met the grandpa. Or, yes. Like, right. Or like maybe at some point, like Kim gave Jen like a recommendation and Jen took that and rode that all the way to the fucking top and became like the executive. And Kim is sort of just like her friend that's floating a little bit underneath her or like, you know, like Jen hired Kim for her first internship and then they had a, like a three year falling out and then they got back, you know, like we need to see like, cause that's, that's real history. When someone says I'm coming to your grandfather with dementia's house to come spend some time with you. That's someone who's like been through some shit with you or they're truly a psychopath. And I know Jen is not a psychopath. No, our girl Vivica, she's in sign body and mind. She wouldn't have signed on. I wonder if there is a Lifetime movie in which Vivica A. Fox has played a bad character because I think that like that might also be a part of her deal is that she's always the hero a little bit. Fair. I mean, I would love to see her in a more villainous role. I feel like she could do it so well. She's an incredibly diverse actress. So Kim rushes off the phone when she sees that Joey isn't too far away. And Joey is like a fucking bitch. Okay, when he sees her, this is unbelievable. Like this is one of those things that like, you know, like when you're like telling your friend, like after a breakup, how bad the relationship really was. And I'm sure as a good friend, you've, you've either been here yourself or you've been there for when like your girlfriend's telling you like, 
oh, you thought that was bad? Let me tell you about this little skeleton in the closet I never told you. And you're just like, you dealt with that? Like, this is one of those things where it's like, this is so insane. So he's like, where were you? And she's like, uh, and he's like, you said you'd be home an hour ago. What were you doing on Nick's porch? And she's like, I was just saying hi to the neighbor. And she's like, well, if you're going to say you're going to be home at a certain time, you should stick to your word. Your grandfather was asking about you. And since he barely remembers who you are, you should probably be around more. (laughs) No, it was, I was just like, I didn't understand because, you know, he, he had these washboard abs and like, you know, he was very chiseled, very defined. And I was sitting here like, where do you store it? Where do you store the fucking audacity to do that? Like, cause I, 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 I don't have I don't have capacity for that. And if someone was like trying to police me and my actions and my movements and then also try and gaslight me with my like sick grandfather, again, colorblind, Kim, red flag, red flag, sirens, what is not going on in your head? And I mean, here's the thing. She pushed back a little. Like I felt like she really just kind of like stood her ground. She like really just kind of like got into it. She showed her teeth, but I wished a little bit more of that like consistent well wait a minute because there might be a little clue here so his name is joey which is as we know the name of a baby kangaroo maybe he has like some sort of marsupial lineage lineage and he keeps his audacity in the pouch honestly i think it I, I think that's a great height. I do. I think he like... might be part marsupial and he has this pouch and he just keeps it in there because he's like a second later. He's like, I'm so sorry. I'm a jerk. I just started having feelings for you. I'm falling for you. And Kim's like, uh, okay. Which is like such a scary place to be in. If you've ever had a, like anything, we've all been there when you like start to have a crush on someone and you realize like, Oh, wait a minute. Like I fell in love with like uh, a dream that I like created, even if it's just like two dates and then all of a sudden the mask, you know, starts to fall off and you're like, Oh, wait a minute. And then you look at that person that you were so like anything that they said, you were like awestruck by two days ago. Now, when they say it, you're like, Oh, they're sick. That's a sick person. So she goes and checks out the Parker care center and she asks to speak to the person in charge. Hi. Hi. Can I help you? I was hoping to talk with the person in charge. Sure. One moment. Thanks. Are you the woman who asked to see the director? I am. Sarah Franklin, nice to meet you. Kim Cassidy. What can I do for you, Kim? I was hoping to get a little background information about a caregiver that my family hired through your facility about six months ago. No problem. What was the caregiver's name? Joey Nolan. Hmm. I don't think I know that name. Are you sure he was employed here? I, I, I thought so. Karen, do you ever remember a Joey Nolan working here? Mm, Joey Nolan. No, I don't think so. Well, Karen would certainly know. Okay, what about a Carrie Knox? Carrie, absolutely. She's worked here for over a year now. Is it possible you made a mistake with this Joey person? Carrie's not working today, but I can call her for you. No, no, don't bother. Thanks.
We need to talk. Sure. What do you need? I need a little clarity. I just came back from the Parker Care Center, talking to a woman named Sarah Franklin. She runs the place. Yeah, it's funny. She said you're not actually working today. And as far as Joey's concerned, they've never even heard of him. Yeah. Really sorry. Can we talk about this another time? That's my grandfather in there. We either talk about it now or we talk about it with the police. Your choice. Okay. So Joey never worked at Parker Care. Why would you tell me that he did? Because he had this sweet job with your grandparents and he offered me some off the books work to help take care of Fred and my idiot sister got herself arrested around the same time. And I just needed the extra cash to help get her straightened out. But, but he was really good with them. You seen him. How did he get the job in the first place? That I don't know. You're not gonna call the cops, are you? Just go. Don't come back here. I'm really sorry, Can go. So she comes home with the knowledge that there's no, I mean, Joey basically rolled up on grandma in the parking lot and he's bringing Fred some soup at the kitchen table. Campbell's chicken noodle soup. I was surprised they were able to get the like official mention. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I feel like for a Lifetime movie, like branding is not really like. Something I would expect to see, like brand placement. No, you see it a lot more in like more recent movies where like they'll straight up be like a bottle of like dial hand soap or something, but like it's much more intentional placement. This is like feels like Campbell signed off on this because they were like, it's going to be a caretaker feeding his uh, this man with dementia Campbell's chicken noodle soup. And they were like, yeah, that's about right. Because like that, that does feel like a comfort meal that crosses generations. Absolutely. So she's like, I was at the Parker Care Center, Joey. What the hell's going on? He's like, I needed the job. You know, I was in the lobby at the care center and I overheard Jane saying that she needed help for her husband and I knew I could help her. And I followed her out to her car and we struck up a conversation. We bonded quickly. You know, I she thought I worked there. I didn't have to do anything to convince her otherwise. I needed the job. I needed a place to live. She offered him that. He didn't know how to say no. He doesn't regret lying because he loves her grandparents and he loved meeting her. And so, you know, he is willing to concede that this looks a little bit shady. And because it is, you know, and she says, like, even the neighbor thinks that something is going on here. I need time to think about this. But before she leaves, she he asked her to please not hate him. All he's ever wanted to do is help people, which is such an interesting lie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I feel like it's so hard to, like, I feel like he's, like, as many times as you want to, like, dislike him and discount him, like, he'll have these little scenes where it's, like, it's, like, a legit, like, abusive relationship, right? It's, like, oh, like, they hit me, but they also say that they love me. So it's, like, I don't know. It's yeah, and, like, also, let's not forget that, like, this guy's supposed to have potentially some sort of, like, medical license. Like, I don't think you can, like, just straight up be a caretaker, like without any sort of like nursing license or anything like that. Right. Like I know there's home caretakers that 
Well, if anyone's ever seen Vanderpump Rules, you know there's home caretakers that are maybe not so like experienced that are allowed to be in these situations. But they're not like an adult babysitter, you know? So like there's a licensing issue here as well. Like maybe if, I don't know, like if I wanted to believe that he was just here to help people, I would one, want to see his nursing degree. But two, I'd be like, why wouldn't you just like help deaf children? Like, can't you just learn ASL or something? Yeah, I feel like if you want to help people, there's a lot of other ways that you can do it other than like, I don't know. Like, I wouldn't want someone who's, like, not at least trained, like, giving me, like, medicine and stuff. And also, I feel like, again, like, plot development point, maybe plot hole potentially in the sense of how did he have other caretaking positions with, like, other families? Exactly. Like, if they maybe, like, gave him, like, the credentials and said, like, oh, yeah, he went to school for this in those 12 years that he dropped off the face of the earth. Okay, fine. I can I can live with that. I can rest with it. But – There's just so many whys that I have by the end of this. Exactly. And, like, of course, the big thing that sticks out to Joey is that Nick told on him. Because, like, Kim's going to be like, why don't you go home? I'm going to eat soup with my gramps. And so later on, Nick is at home, and he hears some creaking. And he walks into the kitchen and sees Joey leaning up against the doorframe. And he's like, hey, Nick. And... He tells him that he saw him talking to Kim. What were they talking about? And Nick wants to know, like, well, why don't you tell me what the hell is going on in that house? And he's like, relax, man. I'm taking care of it. And Nick's like, oh, good. The caretaker is taking care of it. No need to worry anymore. And Joey's like, I know what I'm doing. And Nick goes, "Uh uh-huh. You mean like when you push Grandma Jane down the friggin' stairs? Because that wasn't the plan. You should have gassed them both like you did the last time and we'd be out of the country already. And Nick starts to get really mad now. And he's like, we have to stay until you kill. Like, because if you kill Fred, it's suspicious. And now the granddaughter is also going to be suspicious. Like, basically, like, you fucked us by killing Grandma Jane. And Joey's like, well, I just need the old man to sign over the house and we're out of there. And this is going to this lie is is not going to hold up like because it's not really what he has to do. But he's like, apparently he wants this man. He's like, oh, this man with Alzheimer's who's like legally incapable of signing a document of that size. Like now I just need him to sign. But then we're going to find out later on that Grandma Jane already did sign the paperwork over so he's just joey's fallen in a little too deep and he's there for kim now yeah absolutely and honestly like when i was watching initially i didn't even think about the fact that like he was like oh i need the old man to sign and then he like presented that like i think in reflection now i'm like oh wait he probably he had to already have that happen Done, he had like, that paperwork for like yeah he had that paperwork done and nick is like just obsessed with like the fact that this lot that the house is sitting on is worth a fucking fortune so nick like tells him work faster and needs to remember it's him in the house him on the paperwork yes nick forged a few documents for him so like even if he wanted to try and prove that it wasn't him he couldn't basically nick's saying like Joey, the way I set this up is that this will all fall on you if you don't get it done. And if you try to put it on me, it's not going to work. So he's basically saying, like, get this done. 
And that puts some real pressure on him because we know that Joey actually doesn't want to get this deal done. And he says that he's been watching him and Kim jogging around, cuddling. He's been watching them inside too. Is he, is he, is Joey trying to burn him on this? And Joey's like, of course not. And he's like, well, good. Cause there's no way that this ends with you and Kim up together. Like winding up a happy couple after this. And he's like, well, why, why don't you, Joey's like, why don't you think I could be with her? And he's like, well, you killed her grandma for starters. And Nick slaps him on the head and tells him to like, get it together basically. And this is like the brother figure, like maybe even the father figure that Joey should have had, but he didn't. And so Joey's like, Hey Nick, get me a beer. And Nick's like, what are you talking about? He's like, come on, I'm stressed out too. If we can drink a beer, we can talk about it together. So Nick's like talking a mile a minute and he's going to the fridge. He's like lecturing Joey. And all of a sudden, Joey slips some leather gloves on and comes up behind Nick and strangles him the same way that he did with Mitch in the parking lot. So I I, I love the like the cue of like, oh, gloves he's about to do something like it's so lifetime sorry i just had to put that in there like i i love that exactly well like the gloves are like i mean i guess they're important because he is kind of a mass murderer now at this point like oh, he's, yeah like he killed grandma jane he killed mitch now he's his body count is up to three just under this name alone but like we also know he killed the two old people back then he couldn't be a serial killer because there's no pattern but yeah so he like hops on nick's laptop and sees the cameras and sees that there's one that's just basically focused directly on kim's bed and he says to himself you sneaky bastard so the next day kim takes fred out on the porch it's a really pretty day and Fred is nervous without Joey there. And he's like, we shouldn't go out. We should wait till Joey comes back. And Kim's like, well, I don't know where he is. And Fred's like, well, is Jane coming? And Kim's just like, she's not going to be able to make it. So they go up to this bench in a par- in the park and Fred's like, oh, I haven't been here. I don't remember ever going here. And Kim's like, well, Joey says he takes you here all the time. And he's like, I don't remember. Sorry. And she apologizes to him for, like, ignoring him and grandma for the last year. She Once again, she brings this up for this old man. And she's like, you know, when my parents died, I just shut down. And he says, your parents are dead? And she, like, nods. And he goes, that's my daughter. And she nods. And he goes, and Jane, she's dead? And she nods. And they, like, cry. And, like, that to me is, like, I don't know. I'm going to say, honestly, I think that that's more abusive than pretty much anything she could do. Like, how dare you wake up every day and tell the same person that someone's dead every day and watch them cry like that? Just lie. I know. It's it's hard. And it's like, I feel like there's a lot of, it, it's hard, especially like within a movie, like to deal with like an issue like dementia, like the show, like a show that comes to mind where they deal with a character with dementia is like manifest. If you've seen that. I haven't. Is it good? Oh, that's, is that the one everyone was obsessed with? And then it went to Netflix. 
Yeah, and then then Netflix saved it. Yep, that's exactly the show. I mean, like it's not like giving away too much, but there's a character who suffers from dementia, and it's just like one of those things that sometimes you just have to like make the day by day easier. And I mean, here's the thing: maybe it was just a slip up with Kim, like being like, "Oh, I'm so sorry when my parents died," like like kind of justifying it. But at the same time, like I do agree, it's like so messed up to just like keep having that constant reminder like yeah your child's dead your wife is dead like everyone's dead exactly maybe if you've been raising a relative or like raising taking care of a relative for like 10 years that is experiencing dementia or memory loss like that maybe you do get to a point where you have to say you know oh they're no longer with us or something every day but it's still, again, to me, it feels like Kim is putting through him, putting him through this in vain. Like it feels like she is trying to close a chapter on her own emotional situation because she wasn't around for a little bit and she has not gotten the reaction she wanted. So maybe now that they're here, she's going to give Fred some relief from her incessant situation. So she like gives him a moment to cry and grandpa Fred says, I remember the last thing Jane said to me. She said, I think he's here. And Kim asked him who she was talking about, but then like kind of like backs off of pressing him anymore. So when Kim and Fred get home, there's an ambulance outside and Kim's like, grandpa go inside. Nick's body is being wheeled out on a stretcher. And the detective from the police station who she met earlier and who also arrived to the house that uh, the night that Grandma Jane died, he's outside. And he's like, well, it's an apparent suicide. The neighbor heard his car running in the garage this morning. And Kim's really surprised by this because Nick didn't seem like the type to kill himself. And that is something that is said multiple times. And I think is so strange that they're like, you know, Joey nor Kim knew Nick very well, let alone well enough to know if he's, quote unquote, the type to kill himself. But like the twist on that is like, I don't even really know if there is a type to take their life. Yeah. I mean, I think it is like kind of problematic to like have the implication like, oh, yeah, there's a certain type of person that will kill them. Like. I, yeah, I didn't love that. I thought it was a little weird. And, like, the thing about Lifetime movie writing is, like, I feel like they say things, like, over and over again that kind of, like... Emphasize. Emphasize. Yeah, sorry. Oh, my gosh. I can't I can't I struggle today. days, too. Um, emphasize <laughs> a point. Because it it's just, like, with the writing in general, right? It's, like... Oh, how is your grandpa Frank? Not how is your grandpa? How's Frank? How is your grandpa Frank? Like, I feel like everything is just so like intentionally like cadenced. So it's like, oh, he wasn't the type. He wasn't the type. I'm like, what are you trying to drive home? Like, are you just trying to like raise suspicion or are you trying to like imply that's how people like think? Because I don't necessarily think that's the the thought process that goes through someone's head whenever someone allegedly kills yeah, himself. Yeah, and I almost like argue that like a man who's like wealthy enough to own a house in a neighborhood where like the land is so valuable that 
people would kill for it and is in his like late for I wouldn't say that like that man is necessarily outside of the demographic of someone who would take their life. Like I actually feel that that's a pretty like common age for single men with like a non-committal like history in life. Like yeah, I mean I think under the right circumstances like, you know, if people are are willing to remove themselves, they I will. would be like, and it's "Oh, like- I'm sure Nick I'm sure Nick had a gambling problem. That's where I would my mind would go. I'd be like, oh, the the 48-year-old man across the street killed himself. What did he have a gambling problem? That's what I would say to myself. Yeah, I feel like justifying like why he would want to do that. But also like my my curiosity is I wonder who who the neighbor was that called in. Because if I just heard someone's car running, I wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, let me call the police. I, exactly. Well, the only thing is like in the shut garage. But then at the same time, if there's someone who's close enough to hear the car running in the garage, then they would probably be more involved in the whole story. Yeah. So I'm wondering if Joey's actually the one who called it Maybe. in. Maybe. And- what was the incentive behind that? Like, why not let Nick's body sit for a couple days? Because then it's more obviously a murder, maybe. Yeah. No, that like that establishing just... a cause of death early might be the smart way to go. But considering that Nick was technically strangled to death, like carbon monoxide poisoning doesn't make sense. Yeah, no. I, I feel like he would definitely have some bruising on his neck or something. Yeah, for sure. So Kim comes back to the house and she runs into Joey and she's like, you should go. And he grabs her by the arms and she's like, no, you know me. And she's like, please, like, like, I want you to fully move out of the house. I'm going to take care of this from now on. And then we hear the sound of Fred taking a tumble in the next room. And so they run to help him. And Fred comes home in a wheelchair that night and he's wearing a cast on his leg. The doctor thinks his leg will heal well enough that he won't be able to be like need to be in a chair for a very long time, but just in case they should maybe put in a ramp. And Kim's like, I'm not doing ramp talk with you tonight, Joey. Like, go home. We'll talk about this in the morning. So Joey wheels Fred into the living room to watch his shows. Later that night, Kim can hear Fred coughing by himself. And so she heads downstairs and his breathing is definitely labored, but he looks peaceful in his bed and she takes a peek out the window. And the music intensifies and we see like Joey's looking at her from the guest house window. But now he's also looking at her from Nick's laptop. So he's taking that over. Right. And like I have to say if Joey is like so technologically like, you know, unadvanced in advanced, if he's so if he knows so little like. I really feel like like he didn't spot those Coke can cameras like on the top of every plant. Like maybe in the orphanage, they didn't give him glasses or something. But like I would think that these cameras, once you're running them off like the main house Wi-Fi, like those would be detectable. I I agree. I mean, again, like what what has like really made sense thus far especially just doubling tripling back to how big those cameras were i know tripling back like and like and doesn't kim like i mean i i'm assuming that she works she doesn't work in like print publishing because no one would ever hand in that sort of like article she did for print writing 
that like looked like it was mocked up for some sort of like bachelor blog that they were like the bachelor vertical that they were maybe running at whatever blog this is that she worked for. But like, wouldn't Kim like have a better sense of like what's being connected to the router at this ancient house? Like, I don't think Fred and grandma Jane had the most like advanced internet connection at this house. No, I don't think so either. And the majority are being taken up by these cameras? Like, anyway. So, yeah. Mm, Kim is looking at family photos. This is the scene you pointed out earlier. She's looking at family photos. This is another thing where it seems like, honestly, I don't even know where Grandma Jane would have gotten most of these photo frames because they look like they're from maybe like a CVS or something. And we see the pharmacy in this town later. Like, it is an old school. Awful. You could maybe get, like, a tin of pastilles there. Like, you could, there's <laughs> nothing, like, really, you know, there's nothing really exciting there. You couldn't get, like, a photo frame at this pharmacy they brought us to earlier. Like, but, like, it's all, like, I don't know. It's just this thing where it's, like, I know this is, like, an old, rich house, and they have just these like tchotchkes around. Right. And it's, it's interesting. Like I feel like for the time of it, I, I I don't, I can't even put my, my finger on it, but it, it was such a weirdly kind of like, kind of again, doubling back to like how some things looked like very kind of like quirky and unique that like an old person would have. And other things looked very just like out of place. My friend, Nick Doremio, who's done this podcast a couple of times has said that there's like a little bit of a problem when things look too new, when they look like unused, when they look like they haven't been there for a while. And I would say that that's what, they're suffering from here because like when we come up on Kim, she's wearing like a, you know, we all know the tank top from express honey. We all had it with the built-in bra. She's wearing that. And she's like looking at this shelf of photos and we get a very good look at the back of these photo frames and they all just look, I'm sorry, even in the cleanest old house, these, these would be dusty. And they all look like this pristine. I don't know. I just feel like, honestly, it's like, I wish I we could have gotten a better shot, if I'm being honest with you. So she's looking at these photos and she spots a card saying on the very front, Kimberby, we miss you. And it's an unmailed letter from Jane. Let's play this clip of her, of Grandma Jane reading this letter from Beyond the Grave. 101-39 to 102-21. Hello, my Kimberby. I hope this card finds you well. Things have been a bit trying around here with your grandpa, Fred. We have Joey to help, but it's not the same as family. Nothing is. I don't want to pressure you, sweetheart, but I'd be so grateful to see your beautiful face right now. But I'll understand if you can't. It won't change how proud we are of you. Love you. Grandma Jane. Jesus. I would be so pissed if I found that, if I'm being honest. Just because 
I'm sure Grandma Jane wasn't taking her own mail to the post office. I feel like it was Joey trying to isolate them. Well, yes. It, well, the only thing that I'm going to say, and in, in not even Joey's defense, but in defense of I don't know who, was that Grandma did write We Miss You Kimberby where a address would be on a card. And so I was a little bit fair. like, is this supposed to be a part of a package that never went in the mail? Okay, fair. Like, were there going to be some Girl Scout cookies? Like, you know, we all love a little package, maybe some fuzzy socks, a lotion, you know, the things that you get from a relative and you're just like, I'm cared about. But are we are we justifying that or or is this just another thing that was just lazy and overlooked? I know. I know. It's like the We Miss You Kimberby is the only way to like let us know they could have like fully just addressed it to her la apartment and literally had a stamp on it and then like just shown that it was never sent which would be signed sealed delivered except not delivered you know what i mean so kim walks over to joey's guest house and she tells them like you need to leave i'm gonna take care of my grandpa or i'll find someone else to help me but you need to leave and he laughs to himself he's like you real are you you ready And she's like, for what? And he goes, the twist. Jane signed over the house to him. The big one behind her, he specifies. It's legal. It was a gift for taking such good care of him when no one else is willing to do it. The good news is, though, they can share it together. The house, her grandpa's love. He's been waiting for this his entire life. And Kim snarls. And when I say snarls, I mean snarls. You're crazy. (laughs) And he's like, I know it's a lot to take in, but if you think about it, you'll see what a perfect family will be. You know, well, you can take the paperwork home. I have more. So Kim's going to call up the lawyer to find out how this could happen. You've got to be kidding me. He actually owns my grandparents' house? Kim, it was a simple transfer of title. I did it myself. I thought Jane would have told you about it. Well, she didn't. I've been waiting in my office for you to come in so we could go over this. But I thought that I should give you some time because of the funeral. Are you saying there's nothing I can do about this? You can contest it. But precedent is not on your side. There's been many cases where caregivers are giving property and money when relatives are estranged. And what about my grandfather? Did he know? It's hard to say. You know, with Fred, what he knew yesterday isn't necessarily what he knows today. Kim. Another transfer of ownership would be extremely messy. I I can't believe this. I know it's hard for you to hear this, but Joey and Jane were very close, Kim. Look, he's... he's really dangerous. I don't know what you're talking about. Joey's been like a kitten with me. I gotta go. Oh, yeah, he was such a dick. (laughs) So, yeah, the lawyer's like a, I mean, he's a dick about it. And this does happen a lot. This happens all the time. And it's like not spoken about enough. Like there's so many family will disputes. There's so many like different like little things where it's just like, and these lawyers sit back and they're like, well, you know, the papers were signed. And it's like, uh, this is, that's why people hate lawyers. I know. (laughs) I, I grew up in a household full of them, so I, I definitely get that. <laughs> and there's all types. Listen, there's all types of lawyers for sure. But I feel like this it's a very common thing where people like lose hope with the idea of lawyers when they talk to someone who's like, well, it's cut and dry. 
Like, we don't know what to tell you. We signed the thing over. And it's just like, who are, where are your loyalties? And then you're, are you, are your loyalties with the goddamn U.S. Constitution? Like, where, where are your loyalties? So Joey's watching her every move from outside. And she texts him something and he texts back, I will have you. And that's one of those moments Ugh. where we don't get to see like her text to him, but we see his text back. So, so Kim calls to Fred that she'll be right there, but she notices he's out of the meds that she was going to give him. So she's like, we got to get you in the car, Fred. Like, I got to go get these meds for you. And he's like, well, where's Joey? And she's like, Joey's very sick. And very sick, obviously, is multi-layered meaning here, but my poor boy Fred thinks he has a cold. So Jen's in her office when the like, researcher pokes his head in and she's like, uh-oh, what's wrong? So we cut to Jen driving and Jen calls Kim, but she gets the voicemail and she leaves a message basically being like, you were right and this guy is all wrong. I was able to connect him to the name Sean Moses. Last folks he took care of died in a carbon monoxide poisoning accident. She, I'm on my way. We need to go to the police. But Kim doesn't get the message. So she tells her grandpa that she needs to ask him an important question. They're on the, they're like waiting outside the pharmacy at this point. She's like, why did the police come that night that grandma Jane died before she died? And he's like, there was an argument between Jane and Joey. She changed her mind about giving him the house. She wanted you to have it. And she's like, well, then why did she lie and tell the cops that it was a mistake? And he's like, he convinced her to sign it over again. And he said no one would care about them the way that he did. So she needed him, even if she was scared of him. There was no one, but at least Kim's there now. So, like, I want to cry. Like, that is just so sad. This is why it's so scary to be an old person. Especially in a country yeah. and in a culture where, like, you know, I would, I do worry about us millennial and Gen Z's when it comes to elder care. Because, like, we very much, I think for the, a lot of us, for the most part, have, like, pushed aside the idea of a traditional family. And so where does that leave us as old people? Because in so many cultures, there's this, like, system in place where you have a sibling, a younger sibling or children or grandchildren who are going to take care of you make sure you go to the grocery store and like, make sure you're not like rotting at home alone, like unable to help yourself. But then like so many older people live their lives alone. I know it's so sad. And I mean, also just like the older that you get and like, kind of like the like less you're there, it's just so easy for like, people to swoop in and take advantage mm -hmm. yeah you'd be like if this guy's at your place and he's saying like i'm the only one who's going to take care of you you haven't heard from your granddaughter in a year what are you going to do if you don't have me like i can't blame people for how could you ever blame an elderly person for anything i mean i don't i, I could talk about this for hours like literally if i could do anything for any community it would be the elderly truthfully but you know listen so Joey's leaving the gym and the detective is waiting outside by his car and we see Kim pull up to the pharmacy and she's like, I'll be right back. So she leaves Fred in the car and the line in the pharmacy is like a mile long. There are people like getting out of line because it's so it's comically long. Oh, it's hilarious. I mean, it literally seemed like something that you would see on like 
a college humor skit or something of the likes where it's just like, oh, they just joke about how long the line is. And also, like, I mean, I, I guess we'll talk about, like, what happens next in the scene, but I, I'm i going to interject in a second just about where I thought the scene was going and why I was disappointed it didn't. Okay, well, so, like, I will say that, like, a lot of times in these Lifetime movies, we come across stories where people are like, we cannot develop this small town. Like, pe- they just want to bring people in. No. If some contractors come in and say that they want to build a fucking strip mall in the town that's going to have a Walgreens and a fucking Old Navy and a Sephora or whatever else, then you let them do that because this town needs that. And, like, it's okay to admit, even in a historical town, maybe on the outskirts, I grew up in historical Lexington, Massachusetts. I understand you don't want to have it in the middle of goddamn town, but... There needs to be a location somewhere on the outskirts of town where it's not going to take 45 minutes to get Grandpa Fred his medication. So the detective approaches Joey. I'm going to play this scene. I'm going to have Jean Marie play this scene just so that you only hear the scenes of the detective and Joey interacting. But like intermittent throughout these scenes is Jen showing up to the house And we see this long line in the pharmacy sort of getting slightly shorter, but there's like delays. And then we're also going to see Jen letting herself into the back house when she spots it. So here's just the clips of Joey and the detective talking behind the gym. Good workout. Hey, I remember you. I remember you too, Joey. Got a few questions if that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. What, What can I help you with this time? I'm sure you heard about Nick Foreman's suicide. Yeah. It's a shame. What does they always say? It's a, a, a permanent solution to a temporary problem? So you two knew each other? I mean, we were, we were neighbors. But other than that, no, no, not really. Why would he go to Jane Cassidy's funeral? I don't know. Community? Two deaths on the same block in a week. There's got to be some kind of record around here. You say so. So how's everyone managing at the Cassidy house? Why you talk to Kim? Why don't you tell me? How'd you know that? I saw you two when they took Nick's body out of that garage. Yeah. So did she, um, she say anything interesting? Just that she's having a rough time. Can you blame her? No. No, actually, I'm, I'm doing everything I can to help her right now. You wouldn't know this, but <laughs> we're, we're together. You are? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's new, obviously, but, uh, you know, I mean, I for one, I hope this lasts forever. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm all in on this girl. <sighs> Is there any other questions that you wanted to ask me? No. You can go. You have a great day, detective. So, okay, thoughts on the pharmacy line? So the pharmacy line, I thought it was going to be so long to like almost give like if Joey and the detective weren't talking, as we just heard, I was thinking maybe Joey was going to like kidnap Frank or something like because the line was so long and Frank was left alone or Fred. 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 And I thought or even if like Fred (laughs) might like let himself out of the SUV and like have gotten lost in town. Yeah, I just feel like there were so many other ways to kind of build suspense, but it just seemed like 
the only thing it really value added was the fact that she wasn't home for whenever Jen got there. Essentially. Yeah. And like, not to be a dick to Kim, because I know she's going through a lot, but like, could she have at least put on like, you know, in Boston, it'd be oldies 103.3. Like, give this man some like classic tunes to bob his head to while he's sitting in there. Like, he's sitting in an SUV unattended. I definitely thought he was going to get stolen too until. So, what we see like as, as Joey's leaving the parking lot of the gym, he tosses a water bottle at this is classic life. I'm two completely closed recycling bins. And these are like California recycling bins. I know because I have one in my fucking driveway. This man throws them at two, two completely closed recycling bins, which lets me know that like, maybe he, maybe he has a vision problem as well. Because like, if he's really had this criminal history that he's had, I'm, I've, I've watched enough crime shows to know that if you have a conversation with the cops and then you are in your, you happen to be drinking something, you bring that in the car with you. You don't, you know, you don't gargle down a bottle of water and then throw the, not only litter, which the detective could have arrested him or at least given him a ticket for littering, Mm -hmm. but you're leaving your DNA behind. You don't ever drink something in front of the cops. Never. You never drink. If they offer you uh, coffee at the station, you eat the cup. Exactly. Yep. A hundred percent. And I mean, <laughs> I think it's just, I know that we like already passed this, but I, I do have to like, it's, it's insane to me that Kim didn't have her phone when Jen called and that her phone just sat upstairs even once they got back, like, because I mean, it's like an old scene, but a scene that's also coming up. Like, who in any modern day sense doesn't have their phone glued it to them? It wasn't that long ago. Twenty seventeen was like peak Snapchat filters and all of that shit. Like anyone who had a phone had. It was also like slightly post election. Like if, if Kim was in the like you know inner mental state all the time type individual. She would have her fucking phone with her. Who goes to the pharmacy with her elderly grandfather grandfather without a phone? Like, who does that? Psychos. Yeah. That too. I know. I blame Kim. So Jen's looking around in the guest house. So this is we're coming back to the very first scene that we saw. And she finds the gun. She gasps. Josh. Uh, why do I call him Josh at some points in my note? Joey <laughs> comes up behind her and he puts his hand over her mouth. And Kim is just like getting out of her car. But then we like Kim's pulling up at the same time, getting out of her car. But we see Jen is already tied up on the floor, looking like she's passed out. So Joey works quick. So that night, Kim tells grandpa that she wants to tell him something. She's not going to go anywhere. She's going to take care of him from now on. Joey is really sick. So she gives him some pills from the prescription she just went and got. And the lights go out all of a sudden. And Fred's like, oh, we must have blew a fuse and so Kim goes down to check it out downstairs and she gets the lights on and then realizes like she forgot her phone because she can hear it ringing upstairs so this is the first time she's realizing like she spent all of that time in the pharmacy line not realizing she didn't have her phone I would have been on my phone in the pharmacy line that line was long as hell like 
I would have been playing like what was popular back then, Flappy Bird, Candy Crush. I don't, no, I, don't I mean, know, like, what was she doing? I like been... meditating because, like, she didn't even realize until someone starts calling her phone that she didn't have her phone. Right? That that's insane. And that's not the life of a blogger. Like, I'll tell you that. Like, if she's a blogger, which I think they're trying to pitch her as being, like, you have your phone so far up your asshole that you can read it through the back of your eyes 24-7 when you're, like, in that sort of field of work. Like, if you're covering celebrity gossip, are you kidding me? No way. So she turns the lights on. She, like, realized she can't hear her phone. She doesn't have her phone, so she runs upstairs And it's Joey calling. And she's like, did you just do that to the lights? And he's like, I don't know what you mean, but do you miss me? And she's like, about as much as I miss puberty. And like, I was like, that's like the one (laughs) fucking banging line in this movie where the way she like, that was a perfect delivery. There's two amazing lines in this movie. And Vivica A. Fox delivers the other one. But this is like. You know, I do love when you're like about 75% or more through a lifetime movie that's sort of like, you know, kind of mid range. And then they drop a line like this because you're like, see, if you were hitting me with as as much as I miss puberty early on, I would have been amped on this whole movie. Like, why do we have to wait this far to get to a line like that? Right. (laughs) It was like. With, like, seven minutes left in the movie. But also, ironically enough, I do think she misses puberty. Because, like, she, like, literally just, like, illicitly banged her grandfather's carekeeper, like, eh, on the other side of his bedroom wall. So, that I mean, nothing feels more teenage to me than that. So, Joey wants to do breakfast tomorrow and see if they can figure things out. And Kim's like, no, no, no. I'll be busy. I'm taking Grandpa to the police station because... He's starting to have some memories of you. And Joey's like, well, he's a senile old man. I don't know how well he's going to hold up. I have a plan. I love you. And before all this recent nonsense, you were falling for me too. So it's just a matter of time before we're one big happy family. So she hangs up the phone and sees Jen's message is like, you know, it comes up because she, I guess, has just spoken to her. So she listens to it and hears what we already said where Jen's like, he's a bad guy. We know who he is. Sean Moses. He's connected to him. But Joey is right there in the hallway when she turns to go out and grabs the phone from her hands. 117.48 to 120.39. Take that. Oh, gosh. I'm so sorry, Kimberly, but I can't have any distractions while we're working this out. Why are you doing this? Why am I doing this? Maybe I'm the caretaker. I want to take care of you. And Fred. Stay away from him. Stay away from him? That's kind of hypocritical, isn't it, Kim? Stay away? <laughs> How many people have you done this to? Hmm? Uh, well, I, there's the, the Degnans. And there's the Degnans. Yeah, I mean, they were, they were nice enough. You know, nothing, nothing, nothing like Fred and Jane. But uh, yeah, them and um, yeah, I think just my grandparents. You killed your- Don't! Don't you pity them, okay? You pity me. Those two monsters who my, my, my junky mother left me with, who tortured me every single day? Yeah, yeah, she knew exactly what was gonna happen to me when she bailed on me. Yeah, because it turns out they beat her within an inch of her life at the same age. Nice, right? 
Well, I guess she had something else on her mind beside her son. Like heroin. Well, I took care of those two. They died in their sleep. No doubt they were dreaming about some new way that they could torture me while I was sleeping over at a friend's house. Carbon monoxide. It happens. <laughs> you could ask the Degnans. And you probably, you could ask Nick Foreman too, but oh wait, no, you can't. God, you can't ask Nick Foreman. You killed all of them. I had no choice, okay? I did it for us, baby, I did it for us. No. It hurts me to hurt you. But if we're gonna be together, and we're gonna be together, then we need to build this house on honesty. Okay, here it goes. Jane was gonna destroy the only family that I had ever wanted in my life, and the family I just met. And even though that I loved her, and I did, I loved her. That's how much hate that I felt. And I shoved her over these stairs right here. Ha! <laughs> that's everything. That's, that's as honest as I can be to you. I feel so much better. I feel so much better. You, you should try this. You should try this. You should try some truth, some honesty. No? Okay, I'll start for you. Okay, here it is. Tell me how good it feels when we kiss. Just tell me. Okay, I mean, classic lifetime. He admits to the whole crime, detail by detail. She isn't able to give him the full Grandma Jane treatment. She gets him down the stairs, and she does a really good job. Because I always have to say that, you know, they never really get a chance to, like, really kick some ass as, like, a female lead unless you're, like, hitting someone over the head. And she does a pretty good job of getting him down all three flights of stairs. But he doesn't fall over the top the way that we all always like in these videos. But I will say that he's doing the... When he falls to the last level, he's doing the... um. You know how when they... Like, if, like, there was, like, a comic of, like, a dead body where, like, one arm's down, one arm's up, the legs are askewed. Like, he's doing that exact <laughs> yep. figure when she gets down to the bottom of the stairs. So she hurries into the living room and tells Fred that they have to go. Joey's trying to hurt them. And then we hear Joey say, let's tell the old man the good news, Kimberby. I'm so sicked out by him using Kimberby. Absolutely. I mean, it's just uh, everything about him is just so icky. But I think like if someone called me like the same name that my like grandpa or grandma called me, I'd I'd be fucking grossed out. Like I, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's so cute and endearing. I'd be like, Ugh. right, right. Like. No, that's exactly how I feel. Like, it feels very like you're robbing my emotional store right now. To be, like, calling me something yeah. that you know is so personal to me. So he's like, well, I'll tell you the good news. You, me, and Kimberby are going to be family. And Kim's like, Grandpa Fred, he killed Grandma. And then Fred starts sobbing, which, like, if I have to see this fucking old man cry <laughs> one more time, I swear to God. 
lifeline, I'm going to be your problem. So Joey admits that at first he was there to steal their money until they got until he got a taste of how much love you can get from another person. And it just like filled his heart. And then all of a sudden Kim shows up and it just made him double down. He personally feels like he's a victim of what was done to him. His grandparents like gave every dime of what they had to the church when they died. And he deserved that money. He earned it every single day. He earned that house. I mean, think about it. How perfect will it be? Grandpa will have both of them. She can write. He can cook. They can watch game shows every day. It will be paradise. And he reaches for Kim's face. And she's like, don't touch me. And she slaps his hand away. And he goes, you know what? Fine. We'll just go back to the original plan then. And he pulls out the gun and starts to scream. 12322 to 12326. Why? Why do you have to be just like everybody else? And to think I, I actually thought that someone could love me. You should have just stayed away. Told you he was the wrong man. Son of a bitch. Iconic. Icon, like literally, that's the best. I like, why did you write this movie if not for that line? No, literally. I, (laughs) even just re listening to it, I'm just like, it's so it's so lifetime and I love it. Like if they don't say the the title in the movie, like is it a lifetime movie? I don't told think it you is. he was well, here's the secret about lifetime is they almost never because they always change titles. This is just perfect because it's like oh God, it's just perfect. It's like this is why Vivica A. Fox agrees to do these movies, is because she gets like this is either like I mean, if you were to play this in a movie theater, the movie theater would go fucking crazy when she says that line. Absolutely. So yep, you can hear the sirens in the background. Jen came in and she took care of everything. The cops are called. She untied herself. She shoots this man like she's doing everything. So Jen is telling the cops what happened to her earlier. And she tells Kim that she's definitely going to be writing about this story. We find out from the detective that Joey slash Sean's real name was Philip Gardner. He disappeared from an orphanage after he killed his grandparents. The detective got his DNA off of a water bottle. And he turned up 15 years later and was hired by the Degmans to go by the name and going by the name Sean Moses. Sean Moses is such a weird name. It is. Have you ever met anyone with the last name Moses? I actually have. You have? In college. Okay. Because I like, I don't think I've ever heard Moses is a surname. In my life. Well, his his last name was spelled M-O-Z-E-S. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, it wasn't, like, biblical Moses. Actually, no. I think, no. I actually do know someone in my professional career with the last name Moses, too. No, never mind. Moses was his first name. Okay. M-O-Z-E-S in my college career. And then I know someone with the first name I'm Moses. I'm just thinking, I love you, Moses. I love you, Mo. I mean, you know what? No one can say that Trisha doesn't turn out content. Oh, absolutely. So 
So he forged their names, the Degmans, slowly transferred their money to an offshore account, and Carrie covered for him with them. So, like, this is, like, where I'm like, so Carrie is a part of this. Why don't we get to hear about Carrie's role? Like, why couldn't Carrie have a fun thing? Right? It was, like, never come back. And then... That was the last we saw Carrie. Yeah, it was crazy. So he says a year later, with the help of Nick Foreman, he tried the same thing with her grandparents, but Joe and Joey was the one who killed Nick. So Kim feels really foolish for believing him when he said he was in love with her. And the detective goes, Well, it's over. What are you going to do now? And she asks Fred, like, how he's doing. And he just sort of like nods. Okay. So fucking weird conversation weird interaction like fred needs to go to bed like fred should have been put in bed like an hour ago like i the fact (laughs) that i saw this man cry makes me want to die like i feel like you know my neighbors could be calling the cops tomorrow but you know based i i can't watch an old person cry like that we have to fix it so six months later the house is spruced up did you notice that Oh, I did. I was like, oh, okay. It looks like a little better. Yeah, there's here. a little couch in there. Like some of the larger, like it looked like the big pieces were sort of moved out of the dining room that wasn't really being used anymore. Like the hutches and all of that. That was all sort of put the credenzas that was like pushed aside. And she had this big couch. It was much more of like a, cu- a suitable place for an old man. And she's bringing him lunch. And he's like, is this with the mustard? I like the yellow kind. And she's like, yep. And so he takes a bite of the sandwich and he likes it. And he's like, where's Joey? And she's like, he's gone. And he goes, good. And then they're watching this game show. And Fred goes, that idiot. It's like he's never heard a question before. And then the best part of it. Okay. I love this movie because it ends with. Kim's going, seriously, what's his friggin' problem? <laughs> and, like, I kind of do love this world in which she's, like, abandoned her dreams of writing to, like, stay at home with Gramps and, like, just talk shit about game show contestants. Absolutely. I mean, you know, like, again, with the character development, am I curious to see, like, what Kim eventually does or did she write this story about Joey or like, I mean, here's the thing, like beggars can't be choosers. And I feel like a part of me would have loved more, but a part of me like wanted it to stop. Oh no, I definitely want off the ride with a movie like this. Like at the end, I'm like, good. We've, we fell at a good place. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, thank you. That was, that was nice. (laughs) So a little trivia from the IMDb. There's only one piece of trivia but it says that the house where Kim's grandparents live is the same property where some exteriors of the Fisher Funerals Home, the Fisher's Funeral Home, were filmed for the TV show Six Feet Under. I know okay. a lot of people love Six Feet Under. Let's just look at the reviews really quickly and see if there's anything fucking bonkers. Okay, wait. There is one that says something wrong with the granddaughter. Hold on, let me see this. Let's see if it's too long. Okay. One out of ten, something wrong with the granddaughter. This is by Night Roses on May 4th, 2018. I'm going to have to open up Night Roses' account just to see what they're really all about. This film is a really stupid woman named Kim. (laughs) That's a perfect... (laughs) This film is about a really (laughs) stupid woman named Kim. 
She went to her grandmother's funeral and introduced and introduced to her grandfather's creepy carer, Joey. He's very sly, but Kim ends up flirting with Joey. It doesn't take her long to get into his pants, but they did it right next to, next to the sleeping grandfather, which is one of the most horrible sex scenes on TV. Turned out that Kim <laughs> didn't bother with her elderly grandparents for so long. Grandparents felt abandoned by Kim, so they relied on Joey. It was sad to see the grandfather suffering throughout the film. Kim only decided to look after her grandfather when she wanted the inheritance. That's true. I love how 8 out of 10 found this helpful. I mean, it's true. It's true. It is. Okay, so this one is called Kimber Bee's Agony. Oh, this is a long one. Okay, okay. I have to read this because this is like written very recently. March 24, 2020. Little Kim was given the nickname. This is by Lavatch. Okay. Little Kim was given the nickname Kimberby by her loving grandparents, Fred and Jane. But after the tragic death of her parents, Kim distanced herself from them because her grief was unbearable. This led to a stranger named Joey, a psychopath, to enter the lives of the grandparents as their caretaker. <laughs> Joey has his sights set on taking over the house and getting the inheritance, even if it meant murdering kind old folks. The kind old folks. Interesting relationship that unfolded between Kim and Joey. At first, Kim is attracted to the big Hulk, who seems to be the perfect <laughs> caregiver to old Fred, who's suffering from Alzheimer's. Within a 24-hour period, Kim sleeps with the charming Joey and then has regrets because of his quirky behavior. Kimber B senses that something is wrong. <laughs> Kim's boss, Jen, is helpful in uncovering the multiple aliases of Joey and learning about his nefarious past. Indeed, Joey is a very bad man. Orphaned when he, when his single parent, junkie mother, died, Joey was raised by sadistic grandparents whom he eventually sent into the next world through CO2 poisoning. His scheme to get rich off of old folks takes a U-turn when he begins to adore Kim's grandmother, Jane. But that doesn't stop him from pushing her down the stairs to her death. One of the highlights of the film was the character of the dear old grandpa, Fred. The actor was extremely convincing and moving, incredible performance. Was it, yeah, he gave an extremely moving, incredible performance. I agree. I agree with you, my friend. Kim was also genuinely a caring granddaughter, but she very nearly made a fatal mistake in becoming attracted to a man who was an imposter and maniacal scammer. Kimber B needs better judgment. That can only come from the wisdom <laughs> of her kind boss, Jen, who becomes the unsung heroine of the film. It was Jen who recognized right away that the choice of a caregiver for the grandparents of Kimber B's family go to the wrong man i mean i love that i love that review miles do you have anything else you want to add on before we sign off for the night and of course well make sure everyone you guys make sure you're subscribed to make it cute please make sure that you're also subscribed to the solid listen patreon where if you don't know about a show that's on our network you'll always know about a show there but miles i'm like so proud of make it cute and i'm so proud of you and i just really like i hope that this is your year i hope we I do feel like my jellos, like my drunken jello salad is going to be a big recipe for you. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, I'm thinking about like Christmas time and my great aunt always brings pretzel salad to like Christmas dinner. So I kind of want to like swap out the jello for like booze. Jello. Why not? Right. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it would all set really nice. Who doesn't like, and but everyone drunk loves a snack. Like what if you just put like munchies inside of a jello mold? Talk to, we'll talk about it later. Don't, no spoilers. 
Miles, do you have any thoughts on this movie before? Of course, and also you guys, Miles, every everything that you will could possibly want will be linked in the description. Of course, the show, also his TikTok, also his Instagram, all of that's going to be in the description. Miles, do you have any thoughts before we like wrap up this movie for the night? Yeah, just one last thought, Kim. I like I, I'm speaking to the character yeah. right now because. I just, I want you to find peace at some point. Like, yes, I'm very happy that you're watching game shows, but please get a fucking job. Like, that's all I, I have know. to say is like, I, a 401k. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing because like, I have a feeling that like Kim ha- is now like, you know, it's not that she should be so much worried about the gap in her resume, so to speak, but it's like, it feels like Kim has taken over caring for her grandfather in lieu of like maybe admitting to herself that she wants to close a chapter on a certain part of her life. Like maybe if like the place she's been happiest is writing fluff pieces that actually don't make her happy. Maybe it's time for her to realize like there's a type of writing that might be for her, but maybe it's not like news writing or something. Maybe she needs to sit down and like really write a novel, write a book, something like that. Allegedly, Jen is like, don't even process this trauma. We're just going to turn this into a piece, which actually is very realistic of like blogging and news culture. But yeah, I agree with you. I feel like even if she got 100% of the inheritance from this home and the property and everything, it wouldn't be enough to hold her over for life. And she's too... She is, believe it or not, 40 is too young to have a couple million dollars in the bank and just fuck off forever. Yeah. So, absolutely. Shouts and prayers to you, my girl, Kim. Mad, mad love sending you energy and all that. Miles, thank you so much for joining me, you guys. Thank you so much for listening to Mother May Sleep a podcast. We're around all the time. Make sure you tell your friends and we will talk to you next week. Bye. No matter how far you run from them, childhood tragedies have a way of catching back up with you. So is true of elite scuba diver Veronica West, who is about to encounter something unexplainable at the bottom of the ocean, something that will draw her back to her home on Sinclair Island, Maine. There, she'll lead a dangerous rescue mission to the bottom of the Bay of Fundy, home of the world's largest tides, and something horrific down in the depths. Listen to Narcosis, the latest horror fiction show on Realm's premier horror channel, Undertow. Narcosis is available now. Search for Undertow or Narcosis, wherever podcasts are served.